This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live from the Matt Blatt Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Turnover, he falls on the ball. It goes to House and Bede kicking his legs. And Bede twisting, he's riding in pain. Curry on the other end, and Bede is hurt. Well, and Bede is hurt. The Sixers take timeout. Draymond Green summoning the Sixers. The Sixers big man is rolling around on the hardwood right by the Warriors bench. Can't again speak for that. I just think that again we're going to do all the things that are necessary and that they've been doing for the whole time he's he's been playing here, right? Like he, he's got these checks. He gets to this point. The medical's good. They check him again. He says he's feeling good. He even said he felt good in the game tonight. He just said he felt like he wasn't quite playing like his normal self, but he thought that was just more rust and rhythm than it was anything else. Uh, that was Tom McGinnis on the call last night here on 97.3 ESPN. Nick Nurse says no pressure to play Embiid. He was ready to go. Well, it was an interesting watch last night. I don't know how many people stayed up late to watch the game at Golden State last night, but it was kind of awkward watching Embiid for a lot of that game. He was clearly not himself. And if you were watching the game and following along on social media last night, some breaking news right now on Embiid that he will get a MRI on his left knee and we'll get the update on that for you in just a minute. But we knew he was getting the MRI. He left the game last night as Jonathan Kaminga kind of fell down on him. I don't know that that, like, I think I'm taking what Nick Nurse is saying. Like, Kaminga fell on him. It is unrelated to what has been going on with Embiid. That might be the case. He did not look himself last night. He looked like a guy who was very, very tentative all night long. And that could be rust. That could be that maybe he just wasn't himself. Fatigue, rust, whatever you want to say. He did not look himself. I mean, there were moments in the night you're just kind of awkwardly watching him just saying, I think you should get him off the floor. I mean, there was a moment in the game, and I know Van Gundy has been criticized at the way he's talked about Embiid in the past. And he basically said, yeah, the team's been better with Embiid off the floor than with him on the floor last night. You know, he was just not aggressive. He got off to a slow start. Uh, he just seemed to be hanging around the arc. I mean, he was one of seven at one point to kind of start the game last night. It was an awkward watch. And, you know, universally, universally, not that this makes it right, doesn't mean that all the beat writers are right. And I don't even know how many of them were out there. I think only Keith Pompey traveled with the team. So a lot of the guys that cover the team are watching the game on television last night. Universally, though, I mean, there's a lot of guys who cover this team and really do a good job. Derek Bodner and Kyle Newbeck and Rich Hoffman and, you know, our guys here, Austin Krell, uh, Paul Hudrick, who you hear on the show a lot. The fact of the matter was they were universally, all of them were tweeting, man, it's probably time to get him off the floor. You know, they're down double digits with like four minutes left in the game. 
And he just, I mean, it was obvious. He had 14 points on 5 of 18 shooting. He settled for six threes last night. He only got to the line twice. I mean, this is a guy who gets to the line sometimes 20 times in a game. He got to the line twice last night. I mean, at what point does Nick Nurse watch what we're all watching and say, you know what, big fella, I know you tried. I appreciate it. You just don't have it tonight. And it was perplexing to watch what we were watching last night. And, you know, the whole thing of it being like in bead from Saturday night and he's not on the injury report. And now there's some reports coming out that, you know, Embiid kind of talked his way into playing last night. You know, you can't have this kind of situation. You just can't. You know, he's having an MRI. He played last night. Guy lands on his knee. And listen, again, maybe he was rusty. Maybe he was just trying to get back into the swing of things and the groove, and he just basically um, that game was going to be the ugly game and it was going to get his left. I-, I don't know. I- I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt on that. But i got to be honest. He didn't look ready to play last night. And now let's say he was 100% healthy, which it didn't appear that he was. Now you had Kaminga fall on him, and right off the bat, Van Gundy says, well, that looks like a hyperextended knee. It appears that Embiid is at least going to have to kind of rest himself up for a little while here. Now they play tomorrow night against the Jazz. They've got a Saturday game with the Brooklyn Nets in Philadelphia after this long road trip. Um, they lost again last night, 119-107. I mean, they're playing a Warriors team that's average at best, not a great team. Uh, and B trying to gut it out last night, no maxi again. And then B just didn't have it. But the, the, the underlining thing is a lot, you know, where do they go from here? Did he injure himself more last night? And look, if Kaminga doesn't fall on him, how is he feeling today? We don't know because the Kaminga thing, I think, just kind of throws some shade over the fact that he probably shouldn't have been out there. I mean, man, oh, man, let's call call it what it was. They're losing the game. He was not playing well. He shouldn't have been out there. I mean, he's a minus 21 last night. One of the things about Joel Embiid, he had eight turnovers last night. This looked like the Joel Embiid we see in the playoffs when he's hurt and he's kind of dragging himself to try to just play because he's trying to play. And then the end result is eight turnovers. The teams are just attacking him because he doesn't have the mobility. He doesn't have the ability to kind of stop, cut, and do the things that make him Joel Embiid. I mean, period, point blank. I don't think there's any better way to spin it than Joel Embiid should not have been out there last night. And however he got out there, that's a problem. And I got to, you know, at some point, someone's got to be the adult. Nick Nurse, come on, man. Even if Embiid talks his way into playing, fine. I'm out there. I want to play. Tyrese is out. I need to be there. Fine. You're out there. The first five minutes of the game, halftime. At some point, hey, man, can assistant coach, somebody, say, hey, you watching Joel? He don't look right. He's laboring out there. I don't get it. I don't understand how you could watch that game last night 
and suggest that Joel Embiid was helping the team last night. They were at no point really in that game. And when they were in the game, they really weren't in it because of anything Joel was doing. I could see it differently, right? If Joel Embiid's getting the ball at the elbow and just knocking down jumper after jumper after jumper, and then maybe he's compromised on the defensive end, but you're like, look, he's in rhythm on offense. He's keeping us in this game. That's selfish. That's not looking at the big picture. But it's still like, hey, he's helping us keep us in the game, which does it really matter? Big picture. Joel Embiid can't get hurt in that game last night. Now, it was a freak thing that happened. He falls. He's on the ground. Actually, he didn't fall. He got the ball stripped from him, and then he goes diving on the ground like we see from him a lot. He's trying to get the hustle and get on the ground um, on the floor and, and get the ball. And he's tangled with another guy. And here comes Kaminga. He's trying to get in the mix, and he kind of trips and falls and lands right on Joel Embiid's knee. And you saw him writhing. I mean, immediately you saw he's grabbing and he's laying there. I mean, listen, there were times throughout the game, and even Van Gundy, and I, I listen, Van Gundy, I don't know whether he hates Embiid, Loves Embiid. It sounds like people think he doesn't like Embiid. There was a moment in the game where I forget who it was. Um, it doesn't matter. I mean, he's going to the basket. And Embiid is coming from the weak side to try to block the shot. And it looks like his legs just kind of gave out from under him. And I think he just kind of, you know, maybe his legs aren't on all the way under him. I mean, I don't think it was like damaging to his knee or was something, but his leg just kind of gave out and he kind of almost fell. Then it was down the other end a little bit later on and a similar situation happened. And I think, I don't think it was his knee. I think he kind of rolled his ankle over. It kind of looked like, but he was limping. The, the, there was a screen that he set and he, he sets the screen and then he was, there was a foul call and he was limping around from that. I mean, it just was, it was awkward to watch. <laughs> I mean, you ever watch a game and you're seeing a guy try to play and he's injured and you're like, this is kind of awkward, right? This is awkward to watch this. So I think, you know, Nurse said, like, there was not pressure to have him be play. You know, there's a lot of talk about the 65 game thing, which, hey, listen. I think that this is going to be a story throughout the year because you got guys, their money's going to get uh, messed with. You can't make first, second, or third team all NBA if you don't play 65 games. So, like, I don't, I don't know if you're Joel Embiid, is that in the back of your mind? And you're like, hey, listen, I can play tonight. I'll play the first five minutes I played. Get me out of here. But then you're not getting first team all NBA if you're only playing five minutes. So it's kind of a double-edged sword here. Like, what do you do? Um, nurse, you know, he speculated last night that the injury was not related to his previous injury. Let's take a listen. Obviously, I landed on. They're going to do an MRI tonight or tomorrow. It's kind of unrelated to what's been bothering him. So we just wait on that. Yeah, so you can play the play. You just land there. Yeah, landed, landed on. Yeah. All right. He said it's unrelated. It might be unrelated, but, eh, 
I mean, it's his knee. Um, now, the knee that he's been having issues with, I mean, he left last night. Now, there was a lot of stuff going on in that game last night. He leaves, apparently, and our Austin Krell tweeted this out. They reported it during the game last night, Chris Haynes, on the broadcast. He said, look, he was not on the bench, but he generally leaves the bench and then comes back after uh, the first quarter. He leaves and then comes back. So people were saying, well, Embiid's not out there. Maybe he's going to get looked at. Apparently, it's normal that he leaves the bench area. And then comes back. Listen, the Sixers, big picture here, they need Joel Embiid. They need him healthy. And they can't be playing this game all year long. You can't be playing this game all year long where he plays two, he sits one, he's out two, he comes back for two, he sits one, he plays three. I mean, at some point, you have someone has to be the adult and say, it's time. It's time that we just sit him down for 10 games. It's time that we sit him down for, you know, um, a handful of games. Like, whatever it is, however many games it has to be, you might get to that realization. 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. That's the text board. Um. All right, so we got a lot of texts coming in right off the bat. Obviously, people have questions. They want to know uh, what's going on here. Andrew in Summers Point says, I absolutely despise when Embiid brings the ball up. He should not be handling the ball. He's flimsy. He's slow, even when not hurt. Of all nights, he handled the ball a lot last night. Stupid. Um, uh, whatever, Andrew. I mean, I know there's a lot of people out there that don't like the fact that Embiid is a unique player. They see his size. They see his stature, and they want him to be something that we envision what his size and stature should stay in our head. You saw him bring the ball up. He scored 70. I mean, this guy can do that. Now, I see your point on last night. Um, he didn't seem comfortable. He didn't seem that he was healthy. So bringing the ball up last night and having to make cuts and change directions didn't seem accurate. But I have no problem. Like, the way they're using Embiid this year – I don't have a problem with, uh, you know, the game he scores 70 points. He brought the ball up. He goes to his spot. He shoots it right in your face. You can't stop him. I mean, uh, I don't have any problem with the way they've utilized him this year. Last night, not one of them. Um, Mike, this is definitely on nurse or the higher ups. If they can't say he can't go in Denver, why not see what we saw, what we all saw and get him out there, even if he wants to play? Yeah. I, as the, as the coach of the team last night, I think Nick nurse has to, has to see. That he's not right. I mean, if you're pointing the finger at anybody, look, Joel wants to play. Now, I can't understand how the training staff didn't shut him down. I mean, I don't know. I mean, to me, it was pretty obvious that he just wasn't himself. I mean, just look at the numbers. He was 5 of 18, 2 of 6 from 3. He shot six threes last night. I mean... That's not normal for him. And he only got to the line twice. He had eight turnovers. I know turnovers have been a problem for him in the past, but he had eight turnovers last night just because he just seemed so unaware and so out of it. Like, I don't belong out here. Like, he was tentative. He seemed just, it was so obvious. I don't know how any professional watched that game last night on that staff and didn't protect the guy from himself. That's the part that confuses me, Mike, is the fact that this guy was shut down in Denver because 30 minutes before the game, they turn around, they're like, ah, 
don't look good. You're not playing. So how on earth did he look better last night than the warm-up in Denver? Like, I don't understand how anyone on the Sixers was like, you know what, Joel looks good enough to go. Because everyone else said he doesn't look right last night. But yeah, you held him out of the Denver game. Like, what? Where where is the line of demarcation here? It feels like it's like an inconsistent application going on, doesn't it? Yeah, and somebody said, "Look, I agree with what you're saying about Joel, but it's tough when he comes out and scores 30 when he does play. So it's like he sits out too, that he comes back, he scores 35 points, and then he's, you know, I get that part. Last night wasn't one of those nights. Right. Last night wasn't one of those nights where he came out and scored 30. He just did not have it last night. I mean, it was a game where it was obvious that he just didn't have the touch, he didn't have the feel, he didn't really have a good sense of what and where he was supposed to be on that floor. He just seemed so out of sorts last night. And to your point earlier, you mentioned how, like, why didn't somebody at halftime just be like, look, Joel doesn't look right. You're telling me that someone couldn't have just said, look, Joel, we, we appreciate your effort. We love you. Sure. But we're going to sit you for the That's what I'm half. saying. I mean, I, I, if you're Nick Nurse, you have to be watching that game last night and and say, Joel, I, I appreciate you talking your way into this game or whatever happened. I don't know that he talked his way in or out or what. Or who did what? But if you're Nick Nurse, you be the adult and say they let they cleared you or you fought your way in. But I'm going to step in here and I got to tell you, Joel, appreciate the heart. You just don't have it tonight, big fella. And we're going to go on without you. And when the game's 14, they're up, they're down 14. They never really got into that game. I mean, no. and when they did make a little bit of a run, I mean, they got within like five, maybe even close. But it wasn't because of him. You know, it wasn't because, like I said, it wasn't because he's banging down elbow jumpers. No. You know, Ubre gets a layup here. I mean, I'll tell you who gave him minutes last night was Springer. I thought Springer was excellent. Springer was awesome. Corkmaz gave him, you know, his five of six from three last night. The Springer kid, though, they got to find a way to get him minutes. He played More 21 minutes, yeah. minutes last night. He was a plus eight. He scored 10. He had a three. He had five rebounds. He took the ball to the basket. I mean, he has four steals on the defensive end. There's got to be a way that they can figure out how to get him out there. But, again, it well, they weren't making the run to get back in that game because of Embiid. I mean, that was obvious. So, I leave today perplexed. I, I, I leave perplexed at what I watched last night to say that you have a whole staff of professionals, a team of doctors – and they watched that game last night and thought that that looked normal. It, what makes it make, make your perplexity even worse is what Adrian Wojnarowski just said on SportsCenter just a few minutes ago because he explained that the ongoing knee issue that Nick Nurse says is not related, but Woj says uh, this has been an ongoing problem the whole year. This has been an issue with Joel Embiid you know, throughout the season. He's missed 12 games. You know, he missed Saturday's game against Denver when the training staff was watching him warm up, did not like his lift, how he was moving, and made the decision for him that he was going to sit out. And then last night, he looked like a Joel Embiid that was lumbering a little bit on that left leg, even before Jonathan Kaminga fell on it. So if it's an ongoing issue... What what is keeping him on the floor then? Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, it's it's perplexing. It's head scratching. Who decided that? Hey, this looks normal. Let's keep him out there. We're going to keep rolling with this. Six oh nine, 
403 It's the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. I, I, I think, you know, I heard Carlin today. He said, it doesn't matter. You got to get him healthy. The playoffs are all that matters. But you know what? The sad part is it does matter. He's got to play. He, they have to get a seed. They can't be the seven seed and have to play in the, like, they're not winning that way. This team, for them to be realistic, they need to be either the one or the two and, and, and be healthy. They need it all to go right. And they can't, that's the sad part. I think, uh, Jeff and Ocean City just texted in that the Sixers have what, 30, how many games have they played? Uh, what are they? What are they? Twenty nine. They're twenty nine, and I think was it nineteen? Let me double check. What's their record? Twenty nine and twenty nine and seventeen. They are seventeen. Right. Okay. So they played forty six games. Um, they got thirty six games left. Then, right? Thirty six games. Yeah, thirty six games left. Yes. They only have thirty six games left. That's it. I mean, they got less than half the season left. Left. He has to play. They have to get a seed, but he can't play like he did last night. That that is destructive, and it is borderline insanity to watch what we watched last night. It was uncomfortable. I stayed up, you know, the whole night. You know, generally, like, all right, this game seems to be here or there. I'm tired. I'll figure it out in the morning. I kept watching because I was like, oh, this is uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable watching this guy. Like, it was like a car crash. I couldn't stop. Are they going to get him off the court, please? Somebody? All right, Sports Pass Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Uh, so that was last night. We got a lot going on. Uh, coming up today, John McMullen will do stay or go. We got all the free agents. I'll throw them at them. Who stays? Who goes? Uh, and there's a lot of them. We'll do that. I got some things today. All right. I want to take a look at the 12 losing teams' chances of reaching the Super Bowl, okay? The 12 teams, there's 14 playoff teams. The 12 teams that are not in the playoffs, CBS Sports ranked them on who has the best chance of the 12 non-Super Bowl teams that made the playoffs to get to the Super Bowl next year. So we'll look at their list. We'll put our list together. A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, they were on Up and Adams today and had some interesting things to say. And Jason Kelsey on Nick Sirianni. Interesting stuff there. You'll hear that audio and more. Holy moly, we got a jam-packed show for you coming up on the Sports Bass Live. But on the other side, how interested were the Eagles in the GOAT? That's next. It's with Mike Gill. Do I have everybody's attention now? On 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Late in Belichick's career in New England, he alienated the Kraft family in a big way. When you're winning Super Bowls, you can act as imperious as you want. But when you're 10 below 500, as Bill Belichick was in his past four years, after Tom Brady walked off campus, you can't be that way anymore. That was Peter King on Carlin vs. Joe earlier today, and he was asked about Bill Belichick and why teams just weren't interested. There was a report that the Eagles were very interested in Bill Belichick if Nick Sirianni didn't agree to the coaching changes. There was a lot of Eagle fans out there 
who generally are these don't uh, they don't like Howie Roseman and they don't think Belichick could work with Roseman, but that's not the case at all, according to a lot of reports. Is that Belichick and Roseman actually get along pretty well, and that the Eagles basically through back channels had reached out to Belichick and said, "Look, we like Nick." We're going to give him a couple ultimatums or things that we want him to do. And if he doesn't want to do them, would you be interested here? Um, so the perception is that the front office basically tells Nick they want to do this. And then Nick has a decision to make and he can either stay or he can leave. And he decides to stay. And Belichick was basically not reached out to after that. But, you know, interesting point from Peter King, because there's this whole dynamic of, well, you know, I think that Sirianni's the puppet and that they don't want a guy like Belichick. Well, part of the reason why nobody hired Belichick is because nobody wants a guy like Belichick at this stage. They don't want somebody having too much say in the personnel. And as Peter King kind of talked about, um, there is a dynamic that is changing in the NFL. Anybody who looks to see whether they might want to hire Bill Belichick is clearly going to look to see what kind of person are we going to get? Are we getting a guy who we can work with? And I think it's a really, really good question. Yeah, are we getting a guy we can work with? Are we getting the guy who's now understanding that um, I got to change my ways? I've got to, I, I've got to kind of um, evolve like the game is. There was a, I was listening to that conversation with Peter King, and where he said, you know, teams have gotten to the point now where. He said, I don't look at it as you're kind of in the palm of the front office's hand. He basically was suggesting that they're open to having dialogue. Tell me some of the things you like. Give me some input. But you coach the team, and I'm going to pick the players. But we're going to have dialogue about it. We're going to talk about it as an organization. You know, the whole, you want me to you know, cook the dinner, but you don't want me to let me pick the ingredients. Today's NFL is so different. Like the, the concept of that no one coach, there's too much on their plate now. I mean, think about this. How many coaches were on a coaching staff in 1986? Like think about how many different position coaches and special assistants and the pass game coordinator and the run game. Co- I mean, you had an offensive line coach. Now you have an offensive line coach and the and the run game coordinator and the pass game coordinator and the quarterback coach and the tight end coach and the running back coach and the linebackers coach and the wide receiver coach and the offensive line. You probably have an offensive line coach, an interior offensive line coach, a tackles. I mean, there's just so much going on that how can Bill Belichick or anybody for that matter think that they have enough ability to go scout and know all these players and have the insides and outsides of every single possible player that is coming to the organization. So do I think that the Eagles had interest in Bill Belichick? Eh, I'm not shocked. Do I think they should have hired Bill Belichick? Not really. I mean, there is a lot of questions about whether Bill Belichick is right for today's game and Belichick didn't get hired and now it doesn't look like Vrabel's getting hired either because the Seahawks just hired their new coach.
Yeah, the Seahawks are hiring Mike McDonald from the Ravens, six-year deal to be their new head coach. So you talk about a team like the Seahawks, that's two straight head coaches from defensive backgrounds. They're going through the youth movement, and we know that Vrabel is less of a dictator than Belichick is, and now there's only one job opening left, and that's in Washington, D.C. Yeah, and there is some talk that Belichick could re-pop up for that, but we'll see. I mean... I don't know. It might be the best thing for Bill just to go to TV for a year. Well, that's what a lot of people are suggesting. That he'll go to TV, do the whole TV thing for the year, rehabilitate, and and then kind of come back. I I think Belichick needs to rehabilitate his image at this point. A lot of guys have gone to TV, and it's changed a little bit how people look at them. And you know, I know it's it's not you know always the same for everyone. You know, Sean Payton goes to TV, and he seems to come back you know worse than he was before. Parcells goes to TV. He comes back as the Patriots to a championship. Uh, the Patriots to the Super Bowl. He didn't win the championship. But, and then you had Dick Vermeil. Remember, he took that sabbatical, went to TV and came back with the Rams. So I, there, there are guys who have done what we're suggesting Belichick do. Yeah. And, and look, the report essentially now, it was a, it was more of a radio conversation. It was on a Boston radio station where the writer who covers the Patriots was on the air. And he basically, you know, suggested that the Eagles were very interested in Bill Belichick. And, you know, it kind of was a back and forth of, he said, as far as Bill Belichick, and I heard this before, that Bill, I think he was at some point in time, things went poorly with the Falcons, or he thought he was going to go poorly and his eyes were more on next year and his eyes were more on the jobs that could be open next year, including Dallas and possibly Buffalo. So, he throws that out there like, eh, I threw my ideas at Atlanta and they didn't seem all that enthralled. So you know what? I, I don't need to go to Atlanta. I'll sit out and go again next year. But he said the most interesting thing I've heard, and this is just senior bowl rumor mill, is that the Eagles were very interested in Belichick if things didn't work out with Sirianni. So the way I envision this is, Bill, would you be interested in coming here? Yeah, I'd have some interest. Let me know. Okay, well, we're going to talk to Nick and we'll see how that goes and we'll get back to you. Yeah, let me know. I mean... That's essentially it, right? We threw the Peterson thing at him. Hey, if you want to stay, we want you here, Nick. But Brian has to go, and Sean, we already know, is out. You okay with that? And we're going to bring in a lot of new positional coaches as well. You have to be okay with that. And if Nick says, you know what? No, not okay with that. They pick up the phone. They call Bill Belichick. I mean, does that seem like a plausible situation? Sure. I, I think it's very plausible. Especially considering the fact that, you know, you have an organization, the Eagles, that believes that they should always be able to put themselves in contention. This organization that has done a lot of winning over the last 25 years. Ever since, you know, Andy Reid's first losing season, this is an organization that, you know, has found a way to get to the postseason with Andy Reid, Chip Kelly, Doug Peterson, and Nick Sirianni. So they believe that. I don't want to say they believe they're a plug and play, but I think there's a part of the organization that believes that, you know, it's it's the organization more than the individual. Yeah, and listen, I think the organizations universally around um, the league are starting to get to, they don't want the coach being the guy who has all this power and has all this stuff. And this is why I said yesterday, I think that's why Vic Fangio, to me, signals that Howie Roseman's going to be aggressive because – they want Vic Fangio to have a voice. They want him to say, look, this is my defense, and these are the type of players. 
You go pick them, but these are the type of players that I'm interested in. And that Vic Fangio will have that, you know, ability to say, these are the players that fit my system. I've been in the league. These are guys that I know I can work with. I can also not overlook the fact that, you know, you have an organization that this is not the first, it's not the second, it's not the third time that they have gone out and gotten a defensive coordinator who didn't have direct ties to the head coach. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think um, the, the the one thing that is the big misconception to me is that Rose uh, Belichick wouldn't want to work for Roseman. And I think that is um, been, in fact, in this radio report, the not report conversation. Um, the guy's name is Greg Bedard. He's on the, the station. Uh, he's the writer that covers the, the Patriots. Patriots. He's on a station in Boston, and the the host, um, I think his name's Mike Felger, says, "Didn't things not work out with Nick Sirianni? Like, what does that mean? They got blown out in the first round." And the writer says, "Well, yes, but similar to Doug Peterson, Peterson was coming back until he had the postseason meeting with Hallie and Jeffrey." And they wanted Doug Peterson to do certain things, fire certain people, and he wouldn't do it, so he got fired. Apparently, Nick Sirianni was uh, amenable to all the stuff, so they decided to keep him for another year. He said, but I do think, remember, I told you guys that before the end of the season, teams had already reached out to Bill, back-channeled on Bill. I thought the Falcons were definitely one of them, and now I'm pretty convinced the Eagles were another one. When things were going south, they thought this might end poorly with Sirianni. I wouldn't be surprised, given the relationship that Roseman and Belichick have that the Eagles were one of those teams. And listen, the Eagles and the Cowboys are the other team that we've had conversations about are two teams that you could argue those are going to be some of the hottest eyeballs staring at those two head coaches because McCarthy on the final year of his deal, he didn't get an extension yet this offseason, and Jerry Jones hasn't implied he's going to, and Sirianni... This is his put-up-or-shut-up year. So Belichick would make a lot of sense for him to sit out, see what happens, and then he gets the pick of the litter next year. Yeah. Listen, I I think the Belichick thing, it's interesting, though, because, bear with me on this, how far is he away from the record? I want to say 15 or 16. Let me double check. I thought we did the math before that he has to coach like three more seasons. So if he sits out one, he's got to really find a spot that he can coach for at least three more years, you would think. Because I think it's more than 15. Yeah, he's, he's at 302 right now. So he's at 302 wins. I, I don't. I keep seeing people bring up the 15-16 number. I don't know where that comes from. But he's at 302 regular season wins. Mm-hmm. All right. So and the lead, the, Don Schul is the, the leader. He's at 347. Correct. So no, Belichick's at three thirty three. No, that's including postseason wins. See, there's there's two different numbers talking. I about. got it. I'm 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 pretty capable of uh, picking up what you're putting down there. The two different numbers, regular season and then the post and the postseason. Season. I got that one. Yeah. I'm picking up what you're putting down there, uh, Mustafa. So the, so what's the regular season number then? His regular season number for Belichick is three hundred two. So Belichick's at three hundred two. Schul's at three twenty eight. All right, so yeah, he needs minimally three, three more seasons. years, right, to get the regular season number. Yeah, so that's why I'm a little surprised he's okay with just sitting the year out because he's 71 years old. 
All right. Now, next year, he's actually, he's going to be 72 in April. So you're thinking next year when he would start a season with a new team, he's going to be 73 years old. He needs three more years, minimally. And he has to win, you know, 11 games. Now you're up to three. Just if he goes three more years, he's up to 76 years old. You know, I'm not trying to be ageist here or anything, but how many more years does Bill Belichick want to keep going? Well, I think Belichick, he wants that win record. But the problem is... is Well, uh, that's why I'm surprised that he is okay with just sitting this round out. Because if he wants that win record, you would think, I got to get back on that sideline as fast as possible. But is it him? Or are teams telling him, like Peter King said, are they saying... I don't know if I can work with you, man. Well, that's the thing is I think he is being kind of getting the indication that, you know, there was nothing for me. Okay, I'll sit the year out. But I got to be – I'm a little surprised that he was willing to sit the year out because of how how the math works to get to that number. Maybe, you know? his, maybe his ego is that big. Maybe yeah. he is, he's the kind of guy that says – you know, like the old Limp Biscuit song, My Way or the Highway. You know, it's the idea that he's just going out there saying, this is the way I want to do it. This is who I am. And I'm not going to sit here and completely change how I do what I do just so this fill-in-the-blank team will hire me. Uh, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. Stay or go. That's at 3 o'clock today. John McMullen will join us. The 10 longest championship droughts. That's coming up in about 40 minutes from now. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. All right, 2.49, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. I'm Mike Gill. What's up, everybody? Uh, Sixers lose last night in Bede. That's a big story. We know the coordinator stuff. McMullen at 3 o'clock today will do stay or go. I got the whole list of Eagle free agents. Who does McMullen think should stay? Who should go? We got the three big ones, obviously. Kelsey, Fletcher, and Brandon. Those three, what are they going to do there? And then there's some other interesting, intriguing ones. There's some interesting names on that list, like... Quez Watkins, I know you all want him to go, but what do the Eagles think? Uh, Alameda Zacchaeus, I don't know, does Kellen Moore come in and say, I could use this guy? He works for my system, I don't know. Does Kellen Moore think that Quez Watkins works for his system? Um, Sue Opeta, Jack Driscoll, Nick Morrow, Zach Cunningham, those guys are all free agents. So we'll get the, and there's some other ones too that are, uh, DeAndre Swift, Boston Scott. So we'll go through the list of free agents with John, get his expository on whether or not he thinks they should stay or go. Does he think the Eagles should let Kelsey Fletcher? I think if Kelsey wants to play, they're going to take him. I mean, they're not going to, Kelsey's not going to play anywhere else. He's either going to play here or retire. They're the only two options. It was suggested yesterday, I think Jeff McLean from the Inquirer was in an interview and kind of hinted that Fletcher Cox is leaning towards retirement. I don't know how I feel about that, if I think that's uh, something I, I would agree with at this point. Because Fletcher, I think, to me, still can play. I just think it might be time to move someplace else. But now that Vic Fangio's here, does he say, you know, I like this system, I want to stay in it? Or does he pair up with Jim Schwartz out in Cleveland? Does he go to Arizona with John Gannon? Um, you know, 
I, I don't know Fletcher's ideal thoughts. Well, McLean, I, I listened to the the him saying this, and McLean basically look. I'm not reporting anything. He said, but my no, my he theory he was he was leaning. Yeah, he said his theory was is that he thinks Fletcher is leaning toward being done, just because of the fact that he doesn't know if he still wants to do this anymore. And you know, it's not that Fletcher can't do it. He actually had a solid year. Yeah, last I, but year. I think he'll get an offer. Well, Whereas remember, I'm not sure the Jets were interested in him last year. Yep, I'm not sure Brandon Graham. Maybe he does. I don't know. Maybe there's a team out there that wants a rotational pass rusher. I don't know that these guys want to play anywhere else. So they just they like it here. They're comfortable here. They don't want to be that guy that goes and plays one year someplace else and is totally forgotten about. Yeah. I don't know. BG seems like the guy who take the hometown discount and just hang around and be part of the team next year kind of guy. Yeah. Um, Mike, with new ownership, I'm surprised the commanders aren't more interested in Belichick. He adds instant credibility, structure, knowledge, instant structure, and stability. Um, you just kind of heard us talk about why, though. Um, they are interested in Belichick, actually. It kind of sounded like there were some reports that they could circle back to him. But the problem is you got Josh Harris. Now, you're saying he adds structure and, and all that stuff, and Josh Harris is new to the NFL. Well, he brings in a GM. That GM doesn't want to be uh, – you know, I had a beer in um, the Poconos called Hopmonger. They don't want a power monger coming in there telling the new GM how he wants things done. Right. The new GM wants to come in and kind of put his stamp on things. Exactly. He doesn't want Bill Belichick coming in there and saying, hey, I want this and I want that. And this is the way we're doing things. That that way is kind of old school. It's kind of behind him now. So I, I don't think that... Um, Belichick's going to get that job, but could be wrong. I don't know. Who, who's who's on Washington's list still? Well, Washington, I know, is going to interview Aaron Glenn. He's on he's on their list. I know that there was talk that Vrabel was going to interview with Washington. As of right now, I haven't seen Belichick having an interview with Washington at all this week. I know that Bobby Slovic was one of the guys who, I mean, he's interviewed Phil, feels like every job at this point. So, I mean, those are just some of the names that have been out there because most of the guys who got a ton of interviews got hired already. The majority of the guys who interviewed for multiple jobs, they've already been hired. So now you're kind of thinning down to, all right, who's left for Washington? And if you're Washington, you mentioned Josh Harris has to decide who am I going to bring in here who's going to be the face of the organization moving forward. And if you're a team like Washington – do you want to bring in a, a guy who's turning 72, 73 years old who's only going to be around for a few years? Yeah, the only thing with Washington, if they're saying, look, we might not be good right away or maybe this can make us good and then we can have the whole celebration of him breaking the record, you know, that kind of comes. But I, I just feel like that is so far off. What was it? Was he like 26 wins away? Yeah, he's at 302. It's a 320, yeah, 26. He'd have to win either 13 games his first two seasons, which you go into Washington, I doubt that's happening. I think that's why Belichick, if, I think he might wait for the Eagles or Cowboys because the Cowboys would love to celebrate. The I would stress record. this as well. The thought that if the Eagles season goes awry early and they fire Sirianni after like a one in four start, which like I'm not looking at that yet. Like I don't think this team's like a one in four type of team right now, but let's say that happens, 
You're not bringing Bill Belichick in in the middle of the season. Right. Like, you know, people, oh, go get Ben Johnson. You're not taking someone's coordinator five games into the season. Like, if you fire Nick Sirianni, you're probably elevating either Kellen Moore or Vic Fangio. Uh, by the way, Kellen Moore, he did not take the interim job in, in L.A. with the Chargers. So keep that in mind as well. All right. Stay or go with McMullen. It's coming up next here on the Sports Fast Live on 97.3 ESPN. Jersey. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live from the Matt Blatt Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Stay or go, we'll take a look at some of the Eagles free agents and see whether they should return or not. They've got some interesting ones here. We're going to do it with John McMullen from Birds 365. Weekday mornings, 8 a.m. on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. We'll get into that, plus the news from the day around the Eagles. As we do this offseason, we take a lot of looks at everything that's going to be happening with this kind of new regime, but with the same guy as the head coach. John McMullen joins us right now as we take a look at the Eagles offseason a closer look. We'll do stay or go, but I do want to get, John, your thoughts on the you know radio interview that uh, has been making the rounds up in New England about Bill Belichick and that the Eagles had interest there, uh, but it all kind of, you know, was up to Nick Sirianni and the whole, you know, Doug Peterson-esque type of thing. We're going to give you uh, the option to take this or take it or leave it. He takes it. Uh, but how realistic in your mind, if Nick Sirianni said no that Bill Belichick would be here right now? Well, somebody would be here, and and the coordinator decisions would indicate that uh, the Eagles were wanted to go toward experience. So that's a check mark in, in Bill Belichick's favor. Um, he does have a good relationship with Howie Roseman. That's not the – I mean, Howie's very close to Dave Ziegler, who's the former – De facto GM there, um, you know, got fired in Las Vegas as the GM recently. Um, he's very close to Josh McDaniels. He recommended that he be the coach in 2021. He's very close to Matt Patricia. That's the reason Matt was here. So there is Greg is, it was Greg Bedard who's really plugged into the Patriots. So there is good relationships there. Um, but you know, Bill has a history of, you know, being very uh, hands-on, uh, and he wants to be in charge of everything. So he would have to um, go a different direction here in theory. But I do think a lot of people forget Ernie Adams and, you know, very low-key, behind-the-scenes. Um, for people that don't know him, there's a lot of people don't even know him. Uh, but he was sort of Bill's right-hand man, in New England for about 20 years until he retired. Um, and he was almost a mythical figure because he never <laughs> did interviews or anything of that nature. So he did, I think people forget, he did have somebody he trusted. And, um, you know, maybe that would be Howie. Uh, maybe it wouldn't. I don't know. But um, there's smoke to that fire. Uh, and Jeffrey Lurie, the the other part of it, obviously, 
be, was a Patriots fan, tried to buy the Patriots, has always been enamored with the way the Patriots do business. So a lot of the pieces fit, um, but end of the day, Nick Sirianni accepted uh, the demands of Jeffrey Lurie, and, and they didn't go looking for an, another head coach. But what it does do is signals to the rest of the NFL guy's a lame duck either he wins or he's out and whether it's ben johnson or uh, bill belichick or anybody else who's a hot name you know i i said first loss man you're gonna have eagles fans texting you mike and saying we need to get ben johnson we need to get bill belichick we need to get insert name um and jeffrey laurie created this so if he if the eagles start saying it's unfair Hey, you guys, you guys set it up. You guys, you guys did this to yourselves. Right, that's they, where the Eagles are. They've put them, John, in kind of a uh, unfavorable position. Like, you know, if this season goes one and four to start, you're going to start to hear rumblings. But I would caution the fans out now, there. Oh, and one, you're going to start to hear rumbling. <laughs> oh, and one. All right. Oh, and one. Yeah, they're down at halftime. You're going to start hearing of the first game. You're, you're going to hear the booze and 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 stuff there. Uh, but I would say. If there was a, let's say one and four or whatever, oh and three, they're not going to fire Nick Sirianni and then go hire Bill Belichick or bring somebody else in. No, that would be, you know, well, in theory, Bill would be interesting because, you know, it looks like Bill's going to take the year off. So that is something you could pull off. Obviously, you couldn't pull off something like Ben Johnson in season. Um, but, you know, you do have, now two coordinators with experience that would be ready to take over. I think it would be more Kellen Moore, even though Vic has been a head coach. It's just um, the way Jeffrey likes his business done. He'd rather have the offensive guy, I'd rather have the younger guy. Um, so, you know, maybe that's why Kellen Moore was so quick to accept his job. That's It's just a bad setup, Mike. You got a bunch of mercenaries coming in to coach this team versus, you know, the loyal lieutenants that Nick Sirianni had and trusted and all that kind of stuff. And now you got a bunch of guys he doesn't know. And they all know he's a lame duck. And they all know, hey, if we win, everything's great. If if you don't win, now Vic's a senior citizen, so he's near the end. Um, You know, but Kellen... He could be a head coach in season. Yeah, and I think Kellen's an interesting one because you you bring in the young coordinator and he's going to walk into an offense that uh, he's probably going to, I would imagine, excel in, and then he's going to be a head coaching candidate. So you might be going through this search again for the offensive coordinator again next year, and that sets your your, your head coach up again for having to deal with another guy uh, who would be what? His one, two, three. That would be his fourth different coordinator in five years if they keep him if the team is successful so you you put up a really weird situation here speaking of the offense john uh the two receivers were together they like each other aj brown devonta smith um they had a message for kellen moore just let us do what we do uh it was the messaging there on the up and adams show today but she had an interesting question you know regarding being traded and I don't know if A.J. Brown really answered it all that much, but if you looked at his face, he was kind of like looking up in the air and all over the place. Did you get any body language read from A.J. Brown's answer on whether or not his name would be in uh, trade rumors? Yeah, well, you know, I, I mean, that's 
you talk about manufactured. I mean, that really, as far as I can tell, developed off a, a hypothetical from a Philadelphia radio station. I mean, there's no legs to that trade rumor all of a sudden. Um, you know, Kay Adams is talking about it on her show. It's amazing how this stuff starts. I mean, the Eagles would take a $40 million dead cap hit if they wanted to trade uh, A.J. Brown. Now, they could trade him post-June 1st, but if you understand how the, the NFL does business, I mean, free agencies in March, you got the draft in April. Um, so everybody has budgeted their major money by that point, by June. Now, when you have a player of the caliber of A.J. Brown, people will always move mountains to try to bring somebody like that in. Uh, but there's no truth to any A.J. Brown trade rumors at this point. And the only thing that could change that, to be honest, is um, A.J. himself wanting out um, more than anything else. But he's he's the Eagles' best player, and they're not going to – they're not there's – no, there's no truth. I mean, zero. I don't like using the, the – you always leave the door open a little bit, but, I mean, there is zero – Kenny H.A. Brown trade rumors right now. All right, John, let's uh, do a little stay or go here. Let's take a look at the uh, pending free agents. Uh, which ones do you think they should and will bring back? It They're tricky ones here. So let's start with the three veteran guys. Jason Kelsey, I mean, I, I know it's been reported, but what's your gut feeling on Kelsey? Do the Eagles want him to come back? Well, I think we're at the Derek Jeter point with Jason Kelsey. If he wants to come back, you let him do what he wants. Uh, but, you know, I think if you had some true serum um, and you asked the Eagles, uh, they'd say it's probably time. Probably it's time to turn the page. Um, nobody's going to admit that publicly, but I, do you want to pay – another $15 million a year to an aging center who wasn't, you know, I hate to break this to people, but he wasn't playing well down the stretch and he did not play well in Tampa. Um, I think he's leaning towards retirement. The Eagles won't have to make that difficult decision, but uh, if, if, if they did, they would, they would play, pay him and he can go as long as he wants. He's reached that stage where he can make that decision but I think from the Eagles' standpoint, it'd probably be better to – it's the old adage in sports, better to give up on a player a year early than a year late. Um, and I think they're at that point. All right, so you would think go there. What about Fletcher, Cox? Uh, there were some murmurs. Yeah, I understand that maybe... when I say go there, that's Jason retiring. Yes, Jason retiring. He's not going to go play someplace yes. else. No, no. no. Uh, Fletcher, um, they want him back. Does he even want to keep playing? your feel on that you know it's funny because i i didn't i wasn't thinking about retirement for fletcher cox until clean out day and you know evidently he's thinking seriously about retirement um you know i think he played very well this season um did he play well enough to you want to pay 10 million dollars again next season if he does want to play he's earned that so he should be in age figures again um, he'll be 34 uh, by the end of next season. Um, it's another, especially because of the way you've invested 
in the middle of the defensive line with Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, Milton Williams over the past few drafts. Um, you know, it might be time also, and I think I think Fletch might retire as well. So I think it might be taken off the Eagles' plate. Interesting. All right. Um, that's uh, been gaining some more steam here. Uh, Fletcher possibly retiring. Brandon Graham has said he wants to come back. Do you think the Eagles will oblige? I do. Um, and, and Brandon's a little bit different. Sort of like that Derek Jeter thing as well, but he's willing to p- p- play for less. So it's a little bit easier. And Brandon was still effective in a limited role. And if you got to pay him $5 million with incentives, which is probably what it's going to take, I think the Eagles want to get him to his fifth. He's always said he wanted to play 15 years. This will be it. This will be his last season, his 15th, all with the same team, the Eagles, which you just don't see anymore. Um, and I think they want the happy, happy ending there. And financially, it's not difficult, so... I see no reason why he won't be back. All right. Um, let's uh, go to the offensive guys now. Those were the three, you know, veterans. Now you got DeAndre Swift. No, I don't expect DeAndre to be back. Um, a lot of it depends on, um, you know, the kind of deals he gets elsewhere. If he gets a Miles Sanders contract, he's gone, obviously. Uh, but I think, you know, Miles performed so poorly. I think the running backs are even going to get squeezed even a little bit more than they did last season. So I, I don't know if a big money deal is going to be out there for DeAndre. But the second part of it is I, I don't think he likes being in this particular offense. Uh, and, and it has more to do with the passing game. He thinks – he was underutilized in the Well, now he's got a new play caller. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's going to change that much. Um, there are certain quarterbacks, and I always say, Philip Rivers going to dump the ball off. Jalen Hurts isn't going to dump the ball off. So that limits the passing um, numbers for running backs in those particular ones, and I think that's important uh, to DeAndre. Uh, all right, let's uh, group these two guys together. Uh, Rashad Penny and Boston Scott. <laughs> you can't, you can't, uh, you can't, you can't lump them together. <laughs> Rashad, there's no chance Rashad Penny's coming back. I mean, zero. Was he? Was he unhappy? Again, I use that word zero zero. Was he? Was he and unhappy? I don't like using zero. Boston is, you know, Boston's a glue guy, a locker room guy. And that doesn't cost a lot of money, um, and he's very um, reliable and dependent. So I think there's, there's – Well, by the way, by the way, John, Boston had nine more carries than Rashad had all season, and he, play, and he played every game. So – Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have a big role, but as I said, he's he's regarded as a – plus he plays – he's the lead kickoff return. Not that that's that important uh, in the modern game, but – He's a locker, as I said, he's a locker room leader, that type of thing. Rashad, I mean, the carries he did get were sort of garbage time carries. And, um, yeah, he's not coming yeah. back. Penny, Penny gone, but you think, I mean, it's weird. Scott just seems like has he has no value anyplace else. And he's just like, huh, if you're going to keep bringing me back, I'll just keep coming back. Yeah, it's one of those things. I mean, 
you know, veteran minimum deal. Um, and you're he was right. the highest I paid mean, running back he, on the team last year. Yeah, and he means more to the Eagles than he would to other teams because of the leadership part of it. Um, and I, I think he's one of those guys that they like to keep around. You can't win the old ad. You can't win with 53 Boston Scots, but you can't win without at least one. So yeah. I think the leadership's more important with him. All right. Uh, a couple, uh, more on the offensive side here. You've got the, uh, the wide receiver trio, Quez Watkins, Olamide Zacchaeus, Julio Jones. Gone, gone, gone. All uh, three. Nobody's coming back in that trio. No. Okay. Now, it, you know, Nick has made it very clear that he likes sort of the grit and um, the the um, dirty work that Alameda does. So I, there's a little bit of a chance that they could bring him back. Um, but obviously Julio's not going to be back. And Quez, yeah, Quez, is, Quez has had enough of Philadelphia, let's put it that way. He, he wants out. <laughs> uh, and Julio's probably at the the end of his career. So. Um. Alameda, slight chance, but I, the Eagles want to improve at, at the, and they have to improve. And they're great with AJ and Devontae, but they got to get some kind of, some kind of presence in that third and fourth receiver slot that can make a play when it's there. Uh, two more on the offense. It's, uh, or, or the, uh, skill position. Marcus Mariota. I, that's a lot of money for a guy who doesn't play a whole heck of a lot. Yeah, I, I don't think Marcus will be back, but it will be interesting because the Eagles traditionally, you know, when they see themselves as a contender, they want a veteran yeah. uh, presence, a backup quarterback in case. Now, the one exception was Jalen Hurts, who they drafted in the second round, so that's a high-level draft pick. Um, and Tanner McKee, who would be in line to be bumped up in theory, you know, that's a six-round pick, so that's that's a big difference for people trying to make that leap. So, but, uh, you know, $5 million for, and, and I don't think, and Marcus is a West Coast guy. So at the bare minimum, uh, I think he would like to explore his opportunities. And if somebody else closer to the West Coast or on the West Coast needs a backup quarterback, I think he'd prefer to be there. All right. Uh, Albert O is a guy they picked up, didn't play at all hardly. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, yeah, I think he's won it done. Uh, didn't show much. Um, he was an like interesting prospect. Great. Interesting prospect. Yeah, that's what they said in Denver. I yeah. mean, at some point, you got to say, <laughs> it's, he's athletic, but right. it doesn't translate to the field. And he he had an opportunity because uh, – Jack Stoll's limited. Grant Calcaterra really hasn't shown all that much, so um, couldn't couldn't beat out those guys. I, I do think the Eagles want to improve at, at tight end. Uh, it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if they drafted one um, relatively early. Not talking obviously first round, but relatively early. Uh, and if that's the case. Yeah, I mean, well, this is when they break. drafted Goddard uh, when Ertz was right at this stage of his career. So something to keep an eye on there. Uh, Driscoll and Opetta, those two are interesting. Yeah, I think a lot depends on kind of the deals they get elsewhere. Um, I think 
Jack is probably more likely to get priced out. Um, I could see somebody giving him a, a, a pretty good deal, uh, you know, maybe two years. That certainly more than you want to pay a backup. Um, but you know, Jeff Stoutland likes them both. So if they don't have offers, yeah, the Eagles would bring them both back. But uh, I think they've shown enough to where they could maybe get decent deals, and that might price them out of the Eagles' range. All right, uh, got three linebackers: Morrow, Cunningham, Shaq, Leonard. Anybody back? No, I I, I think from what I talked to Shaq Leonard, I think he's going to retire, but we'll see. Um, just hasn't really been able to bounce back from the back problems and the back surgery. Um, and he, he admitted he thought about retirement before this season and it didn't go well for him. Um, yeah. And I, I think, uh, certainly Nick Morrow's not going to be back. I, I think he got a bad rap, um, to be honest, because I think at times he played well. And everybody says Zach Cunningham was the Eagles' best linebacker. I think if you look game to game, I think Nick had better games, more decent games than Zach had. But the bad games were so bad, I think that that leaves a bad taste in everybody's mouth. So he'll move on. I think Zach Cunningham will move on as well. Um, And the Eagles got to add bodies at linebacker. Um, And they'll probably draft one. Again, not the first rounds. But they'll probably draft one relatively early. And there's still hope that N'Kobe Dean can be a player. They're not giving up on him. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you can trust that he'll be healthy for 17 games. So they, they're going to need to add bodies and linebackers. And you got uh, safety Justin Evans, another guy hurt, really didn't do much there. And, um, you know, probably not in the plans. No. Um I, I thought in a, in a very limited sample size early in the season, I thought he was playing pretty well. Uh, but he's just always hurt, and that's been the story of his career. And, yeah, um, Kevin Byard, I don't expect back as well. So you have Reed Blankenship. Uh, unfortunately, Sidney Brown tore his ACL, but he'll be back. I mean, I, I feel a lot of like Sidney's not going to be ready for um, – Week one, he'll be ready for week one. It would shock me if he's not ready for week one. Mm-hmm. Now, he's not going to have much of an off season, so that hurts. He's going to be rehabbing. But for people that haven't noticed, ACLs aren't year-long injuries now. It's it's nine months, and sometimes it's shorter. So there's been a lot of advancements in the surgery and the rehab and all that kind of stuff. So he'll be back. He, he, he'll miss most of the off season. Uh, maybe get back for the second half of training camp, something like that. But um, and the Eagles are going to need to add as well to Sydney and, and Reed Blankenship. All right, uh, of, they got to add. They got a lot of add a lot on defense. Yes, uh, a lot of uh, defensive changes. It would seem like again, and uh, a little stay or go. John McMullen from Birds Three Sixty Five gave you the insight on who should be back, who won't be. It sounds like most of these guys will be out the door. And that means you got to replace a ton of bodies who played a lot of snaps last year uh, for this Philadelphia Eagles team. We'll be talking more about that through the offseason. John, always appreciate it, my friend. All right, thanks, Mike. All right, John McMullen, Birds 365, weekday mornings, 8 a.m. on the Jacob Media YouTube channel.
I'm Mike Gill. This is the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. John McMullen is brought to you by Ocean's Gallery Bar Book and Games. Go to the go, go to the ocean, go for the win. Go to the gallery for more. Visit OceanAC.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We're there on Monday. And then we're heading to Vegas for Radio Row. We just uh, booked a couple more guests that are going to be coming on the show. How about uh, the guy who's going to call the action, Kevin Harlan, scheduled to be on the show next Friday. Also, you see him on the Fox NFL NFL broadcast. Uh, he does the um, – this will be interesting because – he does the official stuff, the reviews. Dean Blandino is going to be on the show next week as well. That'll be on Friday. Uh, Mike Lombardi, the former GM in the NFL. You see him on the Pat McAfee show a lot now. He's going to be on the show. And we're working on a lot of other guests as well starting next Wednesday when we're in Vegas for this year's Radio Row Shows. I'm Mike Hill. This is the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. Coming up, holy moly, we just did a little stay or go. All right, we're going to try to challenge Josh here. Let's see if we can get him on something, all right? A look at the league's 10 longest championship droughts. Which teams have the longest droughts in the NFL? We know Detroit added to their drought. But who are the 10 longest droughts in the NFL? That's next. This is the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. All right, this hour's show brought to you by Broadley's Plumbing, Heating, Air Conditioning. Broadley's your trusted source for heating, plumbing, service, installation, for generations, call them 390-3907 or visit them online. It's uh, broadleys.net. So Detroit, when they got eliminated, they extended. Now, they've never actually been to a Super Bowl. The Lions are, I think, one of the few teams, if any, that have never actually been to a Super Bowl. Right? I, I, I mean. That's correct. No, I'm saying, I don't know that there's another team. The Browns that, never been to Super Bowl. Texans never been to Super Bowl. Uh, Jags never been. Oh, uh, I'm talking about, yes, I'm talking about the non-expansion team. Oh, the non-expansion teams. It's the Lions and the Browns. Right. So there's only two teams that have been around the since the beginning right. that have not been to a Super Bowl. The Browns are one of them. But the question I'm asking you, Josh, what are the league's 10 longest championship droughts. The 10 teams with the longest droughts. Now, some of these teams may have won a Super Bowl, but it has still been a long, long time since they... And by the way, the Lions aren't the longest. There is one team that has not won a title longer than them. So now, just a quick caveat. So we're talking about just the gap of time between when a team won a championship. Like, for example, the Lions won a cha- an NFL championship in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. Their last title, the Detroit Lions, 1957. It is 66 years since that time. So I'm going to give you that one since they were the genesis of the conversation. So now there's nine other teams. There's on nine other list. teams. One is above the Lions, actually. So the Lions, 66 seasons, ranks number two. 
on the list. Now, of this group, three of them have never won anything. Not a Super Bowl, a Le- uh, 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 an NFL championship, nothing. Well, the other ones have all won something. Right. Whether it's a Super Bowl or an NFL championship, but it was a long time ago. Well, like for example, the, the Browns have to be on the list because they won an NFL championship a long time ago. I mean, that was before any of us were born. All right. The Browns are number nine on the list. They last won a title in 1964. 64. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know the Chargers have to be on the list. Chargers are on the list. Number five. It's been 60 seasons. They last won in 1963. That would be the AFL. AFL. By the way, for Cleveland, it's been 56 seasons. They did suspend operations for three seasons there. Right. Uh, then I had to go the now Arizona Cardinals, which used to be the Chicago Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals are actually number one on Ooh. the list. Wow. It has been 76 seasons since the Arizona Cardinals last won a title. That was in 1947, and of course, they were not the Arizona Cardinals at that time. Yeah, they were. I believe they were in Chicago at that time, if I remember football history correctly. All right, so I got some of these guys so far. Um, I started writing down teams when we came back. You got Arizona. I gave you Detroit. Yep. You got the Chargers and Cleveland. You got four. I'm assuming the Falcons have to be on the list, too. Atlanta, it's been 58 seasons, and they have never won anything. Can you imagine? They've never won nothing. Zero. Bupkis. I mean, does that qualify as a loser? Well, all these 10 teams would qualify as a loser. But, I mean, they have never won anything. At least the Browns could be like, wow, my grandfather was alive. You know, (laughs) they they, they could be like Cowboy fans. Sure. Well, (laughs) all of 10 of these teams, I will say this. Well... Arizona, it's been 76 seasons that they have played football as the Cardinals. They have never won anything. Detroit, it's been 66. You got Cleveland, it's been 56. You got Atlanta, it has been 58. And you got the Chargers, it's been 60. All right. So we got those checkmarked here. The next team I'm thinking about, and I'm, I'm trying to go with longevity, is the Vi- Vikings. Minnesota. They've been there, but they never won a Super Bowl. They've never won anything. Never won anything. Okay. No NFL championships, nothing. 63 seasons, Minnesota, you're a loser. <laughs> so you got the top three losers of all time, the Cardinals, the Lions, and the Vikings. You don't have four. You don't have seven. You don't have eight. And you don't have ten. Four, eight, and ten. All mm-hmm. right. So the the next one I'm going to go with because I'm I'm starting to generate I'm I'm running out of teams that are like the old old teams from like the old NFL you know when they didn't wear face masks and stuff like that I'm running out of those teams in my head so I am going to go though with the Buffalo Bills okay the Buffalo Bills the last time they won a title was 1965 it's been 58 seasons they are number 7 okay so we got the Bills. Which is why a lot of people were rooting for a Bills-Lions. Yes, because that would have been amazing. Yes. So In that kid scenario, somebody has to win in that case. I, I believe the quarterback for the Bills back then was Kemp. 
uh, Jack Kemp, the former politician, if I remember correctly, he's not, not a very good passer, but he was a uh, scrambling quarterback. I don't remember that because I remember when he was running for office in the 90s, they always used to bring up film of him playing quarterback. And I remember he's, yeah, his he son played for the Eagles that year when McMahon, got, uh, well, McMahon got hurt too, but when Randall got hurt in, right. in 92, whatever year, 93, I guess it was. 92, I think it was. Uh, Bryce Pulp. One of the quarterbacks that replaced him was, was McMahon and then Kemp's son, Kemp's son and <laughs> um, Brad Gable. I mean, there was a whole list of guys. Yeah. So probably 10 like this list. <laughs> like this list, right? All right. So you got Buffalo. So the, the ones that are remaining are number four, mm-hmm. number eight. Okay. And number 10. I think you got every other one so far. So and you have not got a red X yet. So four, eight, and ten. Mm-hmm. You said Arizona. You said Detroit. You said Minnesota. Right. You said the Chargers. You said the Falcons. You said the Bills, and the Browns. So the next team I am going to go with, and I'm see, I don't want to go with any expansion teams because there is one team that has not won a championship, even older than some of the expansion teams. And that would be the team formerly known as the Washington Redskins, now the Commanders. Uh, no, Washington won a Super Bowl in the 80s. I mean, they won a lot of Super Bowls in the 80s. So, But the last time they won a championship was more recent than when the Panthers and Jags came into existence. Yeah, I mean, I think their last Super Bowl was in 89, I want to say. I feel like it was 80, like maybe 90 or something like that. I, even, I, okay, which is even closer to now. So, no, that was, that is too recent. Okay. Um, I know the Broncos won it. I mean, there is a glaring one that is definitive. The other ones, I mean, nine. New York Jets. I mean, the Jets are 10. Yeah, they have not won in 55 years. It's been since 1960. Is it the number 10? Yep. They are number 10 on the list. They haven't won in 55 years since 1968. So, yeah, Washington won in in the, in the, in, in 90. I guess 90, 91, somewhere around there? Yeah, that was... Uh, Not a good guess. Mark Rippon. Um, In fact, that was a really bad guess. Well, considering the Jets, are you said what, they're 10? Yeah, 1968. So 1968 so is your line of demarcation. So that means we're actually eliminating any expansion team in recent years, in recent decades, I should say. Because mm-hmm. the Jags, the Panthers came along in the 90s, Texas came along in the early 2000s. Um... Man, if the Jets are You got 10, one red X. You got two left to go. If if the Jets are you said the Jets are tenth? They're tenth. It's been fifty five seasons since the Jets won Super Bowl three in nineteen sixty eight. I was kinda of hoping there were eight. That like ruins one of my guesses. Well eight's still open. Right, but if the Jets were eight, I would have guessed another team for ten. I will say I this do that. One of the teams has never won anything. The other one Won their last title in 1961. And I don't think that you know who won the 61. <laughs> uh, I guess it would be the AFL. A- AFL, NFL championships. The NFL, yeah. the It's not a Super Bowl. Right, it was before the Super Bowl era. <sighs> Got two guesses left. The, the fans now, the listeners are starting to help you out. 609 403 0973. Colin and Mays Landing, aren't the Browns an expansion team? 
technically not really. They, uh, they, they retained the rights to the organizations, everything. Yeah, they, they, they got the Browns name and everything and the lineage back. Right. All the records. So technically the Ravens are kind of an expansion team. Right, the Ravens are more of an expansion team than the Browns. They are. were the Browns and held on to the Browns, and then the Browns gave the Browns back the Browns. Right, because <laughs> that's not confusing. It's uh, like it's like what happened with um, Charlotte in the uh, in the Hornets when the when they moved to New Orleans, and then the Bobcats came along, and then all of a sudden the Pelicans became their own entity, and then they gave the Hornets back to Charlotte. Yeah. Uh, now somebody just texted in the, one of the right answers. They got one of them. Oh, so good for them. So if somebody can help uh help them out here, that's Alan Vineland. Two points for you, Al. You did. That is the right answer. Your text is accurate. Josh cannot see the text messages. No, coming. I'm purposely not looking. Um, how about the Houston Oilers, who are now the Tennessee Titans? The Houston Oilers, who are now the Tennessee Titans. It has been 62 seasons. They last won in 1961. They are number four on the list. Yeah, the Titans, Tennessee, they've never won. And they went to a Super right. Bowl with McNair, but that's it. But you have to go back to the Oiler error that they won anything. In 61, yep. All right. And now the last one. They have never won anything. This team has never won not a zilch. Nope. They have been around for 56 years, and in none of them have they ever accomplished a damn thing. Although they got close a couple times. <laughs> they never accomplished a damn thing. They've got close, I want to say, three times. Three. See, now now I got a new process of elimination in my mind of who it could be because I'm, I'm having to eliminate teams that won a championship 40 years ago, for example. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it can't be the Raiders. We've already established that. It can't be Washington. And we've already established that. Um, the Saints won a championship, won recently, well, in the last 20 years. So it can't be them. I mean, Tampa just won back in 2000 and they won again, what was it, 20 years ago in 2003? So it can't be them. Now, uh, Bowers, uh, BC and Bowers Beach says when the Cardinals won in 47, they beat the Eagles for the NFL title. That is accurate. Birds versus birds. Yep. Does that count as bird-on-bird crime? Uh, somebody said uh, two teams. They're both wrong. Um, the one's a good guess. See, it, it can't be the Jags or the Panthers or the Texans. Nope. They've already the been expansion eliminated. teams are out. But this guy's guess is a good one. They might be the next team on the list. His other guess is is not is that is not good. It's not close. So, also, it cannot be the Dolphins because the Dolphins were more recent than the Jets, and the Jets were number ten. That was the guy's guess. The Dolphins. See, that was that's what I'm struggling with because I know the Jets are number ten. Mm-hmm. See, that was the big key you gave. You're me. getting a lot of help here, and you know what? You're everyone's getting it right. This guy's got it right. Eh, this guy got it wrong. This guy's got it right. Bob and Woodbine, you're wrong. <laughs> Bob. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're going to leave your name, I mean, at least I can say, hey, Bob, good. Thank you for the. You were wrong. Uh, Glenn and Afsikin, you are right. Nice. Uh, now here's the question. Mm-hmm. I'm struggling with the last one. Do I keep struggling along or do I just give in to the listeners? Uh, you have one more guess. I do. You have one more guess. And I mean, 
I'm surprised. I'm surprised that you haven't got it. That's all I'll say there. Well, I've got nine out of ten, mm-hmm. so I'm not that bad. No, just like yesterday, you got nine out of ten, and then after that, right after that, I struggle. <laughs> yep. I, I mean, I mean, this is a glaring one that you're missing, and I don't know if it's just you know because you don't have the teams list in front of you, but this one's pretty. I gave you a good hint too. They've been there three times. They've been there three times. Twice of the two of the three, they played the same team in that game. Well, I already mentioned Buffalo, so it can't be. We're not talking about no, Buffalo. They played four. They played four. Let's count here. Three is and less they, than but four. But they played one team twice. Mm-hmm. Cowboys twice. They lost to them. They did. Um, this team played the same team its first two times in. And then the third time they played, they played a team that's actually in the same state. And lost all three. <laughs> My goodness. Obviously, they've never won. They've never won, right? Yep. So there you go. That's I'm, all I'm giving you. I am going to admit defeat that I got nine out of ten. I mean, you I got am- a lot of people. Ben and Wildwood Crest, you are accurate. Uh, well, let- Jack, you are right. Well, Jack I'm, and Courthouse. I'm going to no, give Jack a hat- and Courthouse, you're wrong. Oh. It's not the Chargers. Well, Ben and Wildwood, I'm going to give a hat tip to him. And was it Glenn and Epsikin? Yeah, there's you know- a lot of people who have got... The correct answer, which is the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh. They played the Niners twice in the Super Bowl right. and then played the Rams from the same state as the Niners. They lost all three. They have never won any championship of any sort. If you are a Bengals fan, you are a loser. Just like a Falcons fan and a Vikings fan. But you're all good sports Thanks for playing. All right, more Sports Bash coming up, 97.3 ESPN. Thanks for all the text messages of people trying uh, to help out. No, Monday, Marcus, I am not showing you love because that was not the one we were looking for. He said Atlanta, and he guessed Atlanta already. So your help was not necessary, but we appreciate you as always, Marcus. All right, coming up, more Sports Bash on the way on 97.3 ESPN. We have the traffic. You come with me. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. All right, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. Football at four is coming up. Jeff Mosher is in Mobile for the Senior Bowl. I want to tell you about my friends over at Progressive Fence and Rally. Hey, you know, the weather's been great. I mean, mild anyway. We have this frigidly cold weather makes you start to think about the spring and what kind of things you can do, projects you can start. My friends at Progressive Fence and Railing, I would recommend giving them a call for a free estimate. If you're thinking about it, hey, i got to get that deck done. It's going to be nice out soon. i got to get that fence up. My neighbors are painting my butt. i got to get the fence up because I don't want to see them anymore. Uh, a railing, a deck, an awning, a gazebo. They got the magic touch. Experience top-notch quality, impeccable craftsmanship, and finance options that fit your budget. Grab a free estimate today. All you got to do is go to ProgressiveFenceAndRail.com. That's it. Simple. Love my deck. Deck's great. Love going outside, sitting on the deck. Especially, like, get it done. For right around that uh, NFL time of the year. We're talking football, maybe that April night on the track to sit outside on your brand new deck. How about it? All right, next hour, we got uh, football at four on the way. Mosher's here. He's in Alabama, actually. Not here. He's in Alabama uh, for the Senior Bowl. 
Also, got sound of the day. You're going to hear what A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith had to say. Uh, they were on the Up and Adams show earlier today. Also, Jason Kelsey. What does he think about Nick Sirianni? That's coming up. And should the Sixers make a play for Jimmy Butler? There's some betting odds on this. They're interesting. Well, that and more. Sportsbacks live, 97.3 ESPN. The 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Stick around. 97.3 ESPN presents the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for Football at Four, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. Just hungry to bring back another Lombardi to Philly. Uh, it's, uh, the fans deserve it. Our team deserves it. Uh, culture begs for it. Now live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, this is Football at Four. Football at Four, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast, and it is brought to you by Bet365. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. Jeff Mosher, co-host of the Inside the Birds podcast, which you can find on any podcasting platform or on their YouTube channel. Just search Inside the Birds. He is at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama, and that is where the NFL draft prospects are all getting ready. So he's paying attention to all that and more as we take a look here at another edition of Football at Four on the sports bass jeff mosher what's up my friend what's going on mike uh it is a lovely day here in mobile i I hate to make your listeners jealous but it is 66 degrees crystal blue skies um and uh, i'm really enjoying that after the weather that we've had lately in philly i gotta tell you well very nice Uh, it's a way to rub it in uh you know it's not (laughs) that's been too terrible it's a little a little gray overcasty but it's funny i was just talking about how this winter has seemingly been somewhat mild like you know it's been in the 50s a lot so hey we'll take it i'll take this type of winter uh whenever we can get it but you're down there uh mobile alabama I, i got a question like um has has there been any howie roseman sightings down there no, he's not here. He is not there, um, right? That is what I have heard. He is not down there, yeah. right? Yeah, he's not here. I don't believe Nick Sirianni's here. I don't believe the coordinators are here. And by the way, it seems like year after year, fewer and fewer coaches uh, and coaching staffs are coming down here to Mobile. Uh, mostly a personnel scouting event at this point where you, you just see a lot of, um, you know, you have your area scouts, your personnel directors and things like that. But do not see a whole lot of... Uh, coaches i've seen a few coordinators i did you know brian flores was actually on my connection from charlotte to uh mobile but in general don't see a whole lot of uh head coaches coordinators and gms all right uh, any notable uh information that you want to pass along to start things off in this conversation <laughs> that's a vague question <laughs> well i didn't know like you've been down there for a day and a half now is there anything that kind of stands out to you that you're like you know what this is something that's kind of intriguing yeah, you know, I can just tell you, and Adam and I will get into it more on the next Inside the Birds on Friday. You know, we are doing a lot of research and and asking around about, you know, what happened, some of the things with the coaches who were coaching, and then getting intel on some of the new coaches, especially the, the position coaches on defense uh, we're learning about. But, you know, everybody knows that the Eagles had a couple of different problems. Some of it was personnel, some of it was coaching, some of it was leadership, and nothing – that we've heard around here would make us think differently uh, about all those three things being an issue um, over the last year. And obviously the organization is trying to take steps now, Mike, to 
to change all that and bring in some new blood. You've heard Nick Sirianni talk about fresh ideas, but it's not just fresh ideas. It's the right type of coaches. You'll notice that, as we talked about on the podcast that dropped today, with the hiring of Clint Hurt and the hiring of Carl Scott, you're talking about guys who have been in the league for several years. They have names. They have, you remember when they hired D.J. Elliott as linebackers coach, and we were all like, okay, he's coached a lot of colleges, not really heard of the guy, was had a cup of coffee at Temple, but they're obviously bringing in, you know, guys who have cut their teeth in the NFL, not just college, and have some respect on their name. Jeff, uh, a lot of buzz today, obviously, um, with this uh, Belichick stuff. Uh, the Eagles eyeing – this is an actual headline, okay? Eagles eye Belichick as fallback plan. Uh, would you say that is a misleading headline? Uh, I would have to say I've seen the headline first to say it's misleading, but um... – what was the headline? Eagles eye Belichick. Eagles eye Belichick as fallback plan. Yeah. I mean, listen, there's, <laughs> we talked about this on Inside the Birds, I think two weeks ago, that when, when Nick Sirianni's status was uncertain, that the Eagles were in a different, if they were going to move on, they were in a, they'd be in a different position. They had a win, a team that could win and compete for the division, whereas when they normally look for a head coach, they're starting to rebuild and starting to find a new quarterback. So, uh, we talked about the relationship that we know that Howie has had with, with Bill. It's a, it's a decent relationship. It wasn't always that way, but it had gotten better uh, throughout the years. And so you could make some, you could draw some maybe dots to it if you were looking to try to look at who the pool of candidates would be if the Eagles were going to move on from Nick Sirianni, but that became moot. You know, Belichick was out there. They could have just said, yeah, we want Bill Belichick. We'll fire Sirianni because Bill Belichick's out there. They did not do that. So whatever headlines are, or r- rumors or innuendos are going on to me are, are, are moot because they held on to Nick Sirianni, their coach. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, the insinuation, it was a radio interview in which the Patriots beat writer was essentially saying, like, the Eagles had interest. They told him, hey, we're going to go talk to Nick, and if Nick doesn't like what we have to say, we'll give you a call back. Um, it sounds like that's kind of the direction that it kind of went. Nick obviously complied, made a lot of moves, as we're now seeing. Um, so I guess Belichick was a possibility in the event that Nick Sirianni pulled a Peterson. Yeah, I mean, and if you were a reporter from somewhere and, and drawing some conclusions, right, based on past history, did they interview Josh McDaniels for the head coaching job three years ago? Yes, they did. Did they bring in Matt Patricia? This past year to be an assistant. Yes, they did. Are those the two most direct descendants from the Belichick branch? Of course. So I can understand, you know, someone sort of drawing connection and dots there. And again, you know, how he knows Bill. They have a, a relationship. But the, 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 the overriding point would be if they really wanted to make that move, yeah. they could have. They did not. They didn't fire Nick Sirianni. Right, they decide. You know, now can you, I don't I don't know what kind of position do you feel that Nick's in? I mean, is this like you know you're the lame duck guy? We brought in every. I mean, this is not a great spot to be in. I mean, this is kind of an unfair situation to put him in. Well, didn't Nick say that himself? I mean, he said I have to reprove myself. Now, most coaches don't have to say that when they're three years in and they've been to the playoffs three years and they've won double digit games in two years and they've been to a Super Bowl. But that's not the reality of the situation. So he enters 2024 certainly on the hot seat. I mean, they're giving him new coordinators, bringing in new coordinators, I should say, guys who have 
you know, reputations. You're talking about Kellen Moore and Vic Fangio. So I'm positive Howie Roseman is going to go out and try to fix the holes on the defense and give this team a legit chance to compete next year. So you start off two and six, sure. <laughs> you start off three and three, you might even be looking around uh, your, your shoulder a little bit. Yeah. Because, Mike, it's not even just about the wins and losses. It's about the way the culture was by the end of the year. I mean, you saw it, you heard the heard comments coming out of the locker room about body language, about this, about that. I mean, that 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 kicks off Jeffrey Lurie as much as the losses. He wants good culture here. It's I think he when you play that Jeffrey Lurie clip uh, before we come on at Football 4, he talks about the culture, right? So that and the wins and losses are important. So, yeah, Nick Sirianni, despite the accomplishments, uh, goes into 2024, certainly on a hot seat. Wouldn't the reason Nick Sirianni is retained be that they think he set a good culture? Uh, I don't know, Mike. I mean, there's also an argument to be made about how how you look as an organization if you move on that abruptly again, right, from somebody uh, a year removed from the Super Bowl after a bad seven-game stretch. So just because they brought back Nick Sirianni doesn't mean that they believe 100% in their hearts that this is the right move. I just think they're also understanding that, you know, of what he has done and maybe deserving the opportunity to turn it around and giving him every opportunity to reprove himself before making a decision. Uh, Jeff Mosher's in uh, Mobile with the uh, Senior Bowl down there and, of course, the Eagles offseason continuing today, Mosh. I don't know if you saw any of these, but uh, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith were on the Up and Adams show. A lot of bites coming out from this. But she directly asked A.J. Brown whether or not he has heard any, like, his name in trades or anything like that. Would you be floored, shocked, if they ended up trading A.J. Brown? be floored because nothing the team does floors me, but I, I can't imagine why they would want to do it. Um, I mean, you can talk about, certainly AJ Brown wasn't the only one sort of with, with not great body language by the end of the year. Um, and he is their most productive player on offense by far. And as good as Devontae Smith is, it, it, this is not an offense you want to take away from uh, at this point, especially with a new coordinator here. Uh, who is intended to come in and make this offense flow and function a lot better. And it does that when you have A.J. Brown as opposed to without A.J. Brown. Yeah. You know, as you said, anything that happens isn't shocking, I guess, just because the nature of the league. But I can't imagine Mm -hmm. this is something that's, like, high on the checklist of things that they want to accomplish this offseason. Like, hey, what do we want to get done? Uh, We need a new corner. Uh, We'd like to look at maybe more athletic linebackers. We want to see offers for A.J. Brown. I I can't imagine that's, like, a high priority. That would only change if probably if he pushed the the button, right? Uh, yeah, and, and 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 I only saw a few of the comments that he made, but it doesn't sound like he was eager to get out. It made it, he basically said, "When I scrub my uh, social media, that had nothing to do with football, and uh, I'm here until someone tells me I'm not, and I got no reason to think I'm not." So, again, let, let, let's remember, and I'm sure the Eagles have to think this way too. What was their offense like before AJ Brown got there? You had Devontae Smith as a rookie. And you had a young Jalen Hurts who really did not have too many people to throw to outside of Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. Well, you're going to be in that same situation this year if you don't have A.J. Brown. You'll have Devontae Smith who's growing as a player, and you'll have Dallas Goddard, but that's it. I mean, again, the number three receiver right now is a big question mark because you have no idea what's going to happen with the Quez Watkins, Olamide Zacchaeus, and 
Julio Jones faction. I mean, I believe two of them are free agents, and this would be Watkins' is what is last year if he's going to be on the team, right? So uh, Watkins is a free agent. Watkins is a free no, agent. No, Watkins is a, you're right. All yeah. three are free agents. So uh, you know, you're really going to get these four, four or five guys go. I, I, to me, it doesn't compute unless something happens where the issue has to be forced on them, but I didn't. I don't read that yet. I don't see that yet. Hey, you're down there. Um, it's interesting you bring that because uh, obviously Kellen Moore, people are wondering, hey, what does this mean for Dallas Goddard? This is the year where they drafted Goddard when Ertz was here. Like They're right about the same timeline. Um, so tight end in this draft, is that an area where you would uh, think the Eagles want to look to upgrade is behind Dallas Goddard? Uh, it sort of depends on um you know, I imagine Kellen Moore has to come in, give them certain evaluations on players like Calcaterra. You're talking about tight end. What does he think of Alberto, who has very limited tape with the Eagles? Does he have any experience of, of when he was a coach with the Cowboys um, or even the Chargers going up against the, the Broncos? Does he have any kind of mindset on Alberto? Because they traded for Alberto last year. He barely played. Free agent. Um, Alberto, a free agent, too. Also a free agent. Yeah, but you have the opportunity to bring him back if you want. So... Um, before he hits free agency. So that's got to be a discussion between the offensive brain trust, Howie, uh, and the staff there. But I don't know. I just – tight end is not – again, you don't rule anything out because the Eagles will draft sometimes on traits and you never know who's available where they are. But, um, you know, I, I can't imagine that sort of priority, number one, is getting deeper at tight end. Well, for, I, I, for I agree for, with for, you. For a coordinator who wants to be 11 personnel. <laughs> I agree with you. I just, you know, they drafted Ertz was a second round pick and then Goddard was also a second round pick and they have two second round picks. So, eh, you know, and, and Goddard is at that timeline where he's probably, you know, got a year or two left before they look to kind of find the next guy to replace him. Uh, it just, I just thought that was an interesting timeline with, and with the two second round picks. But as you're down there, they had the two second round picks. They obviously have the one in the first round. So they have three of the top 55 picks. Um, I talked to Adam about this yesterday, but I would imagine you're keeping your eye on a lot of defensive players. Oh, gosh, yeah, there are. <laughs> a lot of defensive players, corner, linebacker, safety. You know, the practice, uh, day two practice just finished up, and we had a chance to watch some defensive players, some, some pretty good corners and, and safeties out there doing their thing. A couple of good receivers we were watching today as well. Ad McConkie got some nice footwork. Um, so, yeah, and they're – What's Mitchell's first name? I, I keep forgetting. Quinion Mitchell, the uh, corner from Toledo. Toledo, yes. He's a he's a guy that's really intriguing. And um, corners are – it's an interesting spot because we see every year in the draft, as soon as the first two get picked, it's like it starts this run, and sometimes guys go higher than uh, they're maybe projected or slotted because of that cornerback run. But he's a guy if that if he's in that neighborhood where the Eagles picked, you should keep your eye on that. Uh, I know that um, everybody feels like Kelsey uh, is probably at the end of the line. He'll make that decision. Uh, Fletcher Cox, I, you know, obviously Jeff McClain the other day said he was leaning towards Fletcher retiring. Is that a surprise to you to, to hear that he might be uh, going that direction? I thought it was a figure it was a fait accompli that Fletcher wants to play whether it's here or someplace else. No, I didn't, not surprising because he spent the last few years on one-year contracts. So, I mean, that kind of tells you he, he wanted to be in Philly, so he kept resigning with Philly. He was at a good number, but um, you, you get to that point. Do you want to keep doing that each year on a on a one year deal? How do you feel at the end of the season? You know, do you believe you can come back and last another season? He's 
not a spring chicken. Yeah. Been quite a career for Fletcher Cox. So not surprising to me at all. All right. Uh, yeah, again, I just I mean they've got they've got guys now at that position that they really need to start grooming and giving snaps to, and that's Jordan Davis, and that's Jalen Carter, and Milton Williams will enter his last year, right? And then you know they're gonna draft guys on the interior D line. And Moro Jomo was a guy that started to play at the end of the year last year. And you know, I'm sure the organization also feels like it wants to start to get more get those guys more involved. Uh, Jeff Mosher, enjoy the nice weather, my friend. Uh, we're looking forward to some of the uh, prospects that you're keeping an eye on. Uh, let us know how our guy Max Melton down there is doing. I heard he ran pretty well. Yes, he did run very well. They had a weird stat about how he had run the most yards of any um, defender, defensive back, which we couldn't figure out if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but either way, he's number one on that list. Cool. All right, buddy. Jeff Mosher from the Inside the Birds podcast, Football at Four. Here on the Sports Bash 97.3 ESPN. Thanks, man. You got it, Mike. Those guys are down there in Mobile, him and Adam. Tomorrow, Andrew DeCecco. Well, uh, you know, when it comes to the draft, there's nobody better to talk to than Andrew. We'll get his thoughts on the Eagles offseason and more. He has an article up right now over at InsideTheBirds.com. That's a good little offseason primer in his mind. And we'll break that down tomorrow. On football at four, Adams back on Friday, and the Sports Bash Live 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Mike Gill with you coming up. We got sound of the day, and today's sound of the day, we got a bunch. We got a lot going on in the sound of the day. We got a little Kelsey. Later on tonight, we're going to do uh, the 12 losing teams that did not make the Super Bowl. These were all the playoff teams. The 12 playoff teams that didn't make the Super Bowl. So there's 14 playoff teams. Two don't make it. So 12. We're going to, in our mind, which of the, because you know how it happens. You make the playoffs, there's always like certain teams that don't make it the next year. We're going to rank the 12 losing teams' chances of making the Super Bowl next year. CBS Sports did it. We'll see where they have the Eagles on that list, Dallas on that list. Um, you know, all the teams that made the playoffs but didn't make the Super Bowl. And then we'll do our list as well. That's tonight. In about an hour and 15 minutes. Stick around. More Sports Bash coming up. 97.3 ESPN. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. Players love them. They'll play hard for them. I know it was a really shitty year for us. But, you know, I think that Nick has a lot to bring uh, as value as the head coach and the uh, organizational leadership that he provides for the team. Jason Kelsey, the New Heights podcast. That's his thoughts on Nick Sirianni. He said, I know it was a real crappy year. Think about a team that wins 11 games saying it was a crappy year. I know it didn't end the way anybody thought it was going to end, but there's a lot of organizations out there that would take that crappy year. But his point is... Sirianni's a guy that he thinks is a really good coach. And I'm kind of refreshing to hear him and his brother talking about, hey, what's up with your coach over there? Kind of interesting. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's funny because the the perspective of the players, Mike, of Sirianni seems to be very different than the people who are outside the organization. You know, everyone's trying to fire Sirianni who's not, Inside the Novacare Center, but everybody else seems to be like, no, no, man, this this guy's a dude, this guy's a coach, and I think it's interesting to stick with Kelsey. He explains why Sirianni is so good as a head coach, and he goes into 
a few different points, but let's start with this one. Nick, and I really mean this, is one of the best coaches I've been around and talking about coaching situational ball, really understanding what to do in the right moment, motivating guys. Uh, we, we coach things up in team meetings and hold people accountable better than uh, pretty much any other coach I've been around. All right, that's interesting. The accountability. We hold them accountable. That's something that I think a lot of people wondered whether or not there was accountability in the building. And he's saying he's one of the best at holding people accountable. I, I, that that bite there, you know, also about situational football, he's one of the best there. Like, and it's funny because Jason Kelsey, not only is he the one of the most popular Eagles, he's the guy that, you know, he'll be like the guy that the fan says they want to be the coach or the next right. offensive coordinator. Like You've compared him to Chase Utley. Right. He's that guy. And this is coming from Kelsey, a well-respected player who's saying, your thoughts on this guy are wrong. And I thought it was interesting because also he said the best. Well, this guy had Andy Reid, Chip Kelly, Doug Peterson, Nick Sirianni. That's the four coaches he's played for in the NFL. And he had Brian Kelly in college. He's saying Sirianni is better than all of them at this. Yeah, and listen, I've said before, the Sirianni thing is an unquantifiable answer. What role did he have in the success of this team? We cannot answer that. He is not the play caller. He's not a defensive coordinator. He is a guy who has an unquantifiable impact on the team. What is it? What's that impact? Don't have that answer. Only the Eagles and the players inside that locker room know the answer. And you just heard it from probably the most important Eagle of them all. And Kelsey goes on to explain that Nick Sirianni is all about winning. And he's going to do whatever it takes to win. And he uses Shane Steichen as an example of that. Nick moving to like a head coaching position. He removed himself from play calling duties with Shane Steichen, right? Yeah. That ended up working out pretty damn good. Nick has shown in his tenure with the Eagles that he's going to do whatever he thinks is in the best interest of the Philadelphia Eagles. And he's going to make those decisions, and he doesn't care about how other people perceive it. He doesn't care about anything other than what's in the best interest of the team. And to me, I think players respect the hell out of coaches that operate on that level. The Steichen thing. See, this is interesting. When when they hired Sirianni, it came out of right field. Nobody knew him. No one ever heard of him. Yep. When they hired him, it was like, wait, really? I'll, it was my birthday um, three years ago. I'll never forget it. You know, I was like, wait, they just hired Nick Sirianni? And you're kind of like, uh, okay, I never heard of this guy. Because he did not call plays in Indianapolis. Right, that was Frank Reich. So he calls the plays when he gets the job. It's my team. I'm going to call plays. And the team was 2-5, and five, and the offense was not good. And then they start winning. And he turns to play calling, as Kelsey points out, to Steichen. And at that moment, we said, man, this guy, you got to give him credit for acknowledging that I wasn't getting the job done, and I'll do whatever it takes to win, if, even if it means I have to put my ego aside. And you know what? That's what he's doing right now. He is putting his ego aside for the betterment of the team, saying, you know what? I like Brian Johnson. I gave him a shot. They want him to go. You got to go. Like, it's for the betterment of the team. I think we have to step out of the 
disappointment of this season a little bit and go back to that season. Because I think there's a lot of parallels of that season to this season. That team won nine games. This team won 11 games. They both got blasted by Tampa Bay. And I think the off seasons of the next year are going to be similar. But in both instances, Nick Sirianni was questioned. And in that one, he showed that he was able to make the adjustment and turn things over to Steichen. And now this offseason, he is showing that he can make the adjustment as he's turning things over and getting out of the way and not saying, no, it's got to be Brian Johnson or I'm leaving. We need help. I'm willing to get the help. I think those Kelsey bites point out something that the organization sees in, in Nick Sirianni is that just what's what Kelsey pointed out. He's willing to do whatever it takes for the team, the betterment of the team. That's a great bite. And really quick, before we move on to the next bite, I also wanted to point out, Mike, about the fact that, you know, Sirianni is following in the footsteps. Because they talk about this on the, on the Kelsey's podcast, the New Heights pod, about how we just had two head coaches in on Championship Sunday who don't call plays. John Harbaugh and Dan Campbell. And I wanted to ask you, Mike, why do you think that nobody is screaming, what does Dan Campbell do? What does John Harbaugh do? But they do that for Nick Sirianni. Because those teams had success and this team right now is not. So when things are not going the direction that you want it to, you start to question things. You didn't question it last year. They went to the Super Bowl. You mm-hmm. didn't care that Sirianni wasn't the play caller. So you think it's a recency bias? Though? Well, not only that. Like I, I do feel that these teams, for whatever reason, they pick the guys that they want to interview and or target to hire. I think a lot of teams are not good at it. I don't think they're good at identifying who the head coach of their football team should be. I think it's a flawed way to go about hiring a head coach if you're strictly looking at a guy who has success because he's a good play caller. Okay, maybe he is a good play caller. Is he a good leader? Is he organized? Can he take his mind off the offense and also focus on the defense if he's an offensive guy? Can he take his mind off the defense and focus on the offense if he's a defensive-minded guy? Just because you're a creative play caller, to me, does not <laughs> does not make you <laughs> the most qualified guy. Like I hate when I when you hear the people that say, "What a great game plan! This guy's going to get a head coaching job because of the way he coached in that game." No, he had 17 other games that all played a role in why he might be a candidate. Yet we always recency bias. What was your game plan in the big game, and did it work? And I think that that's a fault, and that's why so many of these coaches fail, because they're not ready or qualified to be NFL head coaches. It takes a a dynamic personality to be the guy who's in charge of the whole shebang. You know, it's like, uh, I know the WWE is scripted, right? Um the guy, though, who wears the belt, even though it's scripted, has to be the guy that can go to the Make-A-Wish things and go see the kids and sign all the autographs and do all of the things that it takes when you have to be the champion. All the things that nobody sees during the television show. Sure. Yeah, exactly. And it's more than just, hey, you have the best look and you're the best talker and all this stuff. It's, hey, can you go 
and travel and be in three different cities in three different days and sign all the autographs and do all that's the head coach. I might not be the best talker on the mic. I might not be the best, have the best moves, but I can handle being in that room and talking to that guy and this guy complaining to me about that guy and I can handle all that. Uh, I think Nick Sirianni is showing, listening to these Kelsey bites, that he is capable of that. Well, there's one more person about Sirianni this morning on the Up and Adams show. Kay Adams asked Eagles wide receiver Devonta Smith about, hey, there's accusations. Did Sirianni lose the locker room? Are you, did, you know, did his voice get stale? You know, is there something wrong with your head coach, Nick Sirianni? And Devontae Smith answered this. No, I don't, I don't think he lost the team. I think we just had some things that we needed to adjust to and we just didn't do that well as a team. I don't think he lost the team at all. I don't think he lost the team at all is what he said. And, and I didn't really think that he lost the team. I think the team lost themselves. But you know the accusations that have been out there on social media, on television, on radio. A lot of people are trying to fire Nick Sirianni because they projected the assumption that the players were not listening to him or that they, they tuned him out or something. Yeah, not coming from me. I, I never felt that way. I did feel that, hey, if you were the guy who made the decision to promote Patricia, that that could be a fireable offense. I wasn't saying you should fire him. Because of that, I'm saying I can understand ownership saying we put this decision in your hands and it was a horrible decision. Based on that and the way the season ended, we just think it's time to move on. But I wasn't banging the table for it. And what Smith said there is similar to like Fletcher Cox. He said, what are we talking about? We've been to the playoffs three years in a row. We've been double-digit games. That's a, that's a horrible, you know, he's not going anywhere. Like, what is wrong with you people? So I never felt that the players lost respect for him I think I don't think they lost like that he lost the players I think they lost themselves a bit and that's some of it's him the coordinator switch I think that probably didn't go over well um maybe the team said hey he tried it didn't work and it just led some people I don't know I I just feel like the team lost confidence in what they were you know in what was the messaging from the coordinators. Not necessarily him, but the coordinators. And he's in charge of all that. So I think, hey, look, Nick, we like you, but we, we got to do something here. And that's what ended up happening. And A.J. Brown, who was also with Devonta Smith on the Up and Adams show, he followed up by saying, you know, because, you know, the accusations, you know, it's the end of the world, the end of the season. You know, Kay Adams said, A.J., you know, Eagle fans, you know, they're they're depressed right now. They're They feel like, you know, it's the end of the world. And A.J. Brown says, oh, the sky's not falling, folks. This is why. The sky's not falling for me, you know, because the other guy on the other side of that screen, uh, I know the work he's about to put in um, this offseason to, to be to be better than he was this season. And vice versa, he knows that with, with me as well. Um, you just got to take one day at a time and just continue to grow, you know, and uh, let the chips fall with me. Regardless of the expectation that, that people have of us, you know, you just – the only expectation that matters is yourself and your teammates. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that Brown did his best. You know, he did the whole thing um, coming out when he's the one who said, like, we know we roll with. Uh, we roll with Brian. We roll with Nick. Yeah. Now, Brian is not here. <laughs> so you can take that with a grain of salt. But I don't doubt that. 
I think A.J. Brown legitimately is like, yeah, I, I like Nick Sirianni. I like playing for him. Like, I think I have no questions about that. I still have the audio of him saying that back in December. We ride with Nick. We ride with Brian. We just got to come out. We just got to play ball. That's all it is. It's just either one person messing up or something like that. And I'm not saying that somebody just trying to mess up, but it happened. We human. You know what I'm saying? So, like, but like I said, it's highs and lows, and you see the glimpses. So that's why I'm like, are we right there? Yeah. Well, nothing changed after that, though. That's the problem I think people will have. And I can see so you say, well, nothing changed after that. I don't think that means that they don't like Nick or don't want to play for Nick. It's funny you said they don't like anything cheat after that because Devontae Smith said he doesn't want any change either because with all these rumors about A.J. Brown, could he get traded? Does he want to be here anymore? Devontae Smith said, no, nah, no, nah, I, I want my boy to play with me moving forward on the Up and Adam show this morning. Brown so close, man. You know, I, I enjoy hearing him say that, you know, <laughs> playing together. So, yeah, man, you know, glad glad he's here. You know, hope that, you know, the media doesn't try to break us up, man. Like, like That's you know. the key. What else is he going to say? The guy's sitting right there with them. They're doing a commercial together. <laughs> right. But he's saying, I hope the media doesn't try to break us up. That's where it gains some credibility. Like, I can say, yeah, I want him to stay. I don't want him to go anywhere. He's great. He's sitting right there. What else am I going to say? But... I hope the media doesn't break us up. That's kind of the insinuation of the only thing that could do something is if somebody tries to put a wedge between us. That's not there. Yeah, some like, you know, you know, fabricated or exaggerated report that's, you know, makes something more than it is. Like this whole situation with him scrubbing his social media. And Brown was like, look, it, that was that wasn't football related. That was a me thing, you know, and but people but people pick and choose what they want to believe it. You know, and I, I'm not making an apples to apples comparison, but it's a little bit like, you know, the, the world of politics. You know, people will believe what they want to believe, right? Mike, you know, no matter how much evidence you show them, if people believe that A.J. Brown is disgruntled, they're going to believe that A.J. Brown is disgruntled. They're going to believe well, the Well, I would say this. Problem. The only way you change that is if you come out and show otherwise. Because the offseason, people are going to believe what they want, what they think. Not believe what you want to believe. They're going to believe what they think. I think that they don't like each other. AJ Brown's a problem or they don't like the coach. The only way that that gets dispelled is when you start games. That's yeah. when the answers come. Right. When they're back on the field, which now we got to wait until September, which is frustrating. Absolutely. Uh, why don't we squeeze in one more bite here? Because it was kind of a funny back and forth because Kay Adams is trying to get an answer out of Devante about his thoughts on Kellen Moore. Now, We'll play the audio later from Kelsey because Kelsey had a, a good amount to say about Kellen Moore and Vic Fangio. But uh, Devontae Smith, Kay Adams is trying to get an answer out of him. And you guys can decide for yourself what this back and forth means between Kay Adams and Devontae Smith. If you could have one wish and say, Kellen Moore, this is what I need for next season. This is what I want you to bring into this locker room, bring to this offense. What would that be? Oh, just let us do what we do. What does that mean? Like, like anybody else, just give us the ball. <laughs> Let us do what we do. I mean, give yeah. us the ball. Give us the ball. <laughs> Throw the ball to us. I, and, and I think that that's going to be the case. Look, I said before, Kellen Moore gets a call from the Eagles, and he's ecstatic. You want me to coach this offense? Where do I sign? Sign me up. Uh, I don't think they had any problems trying to convince someone 
to coach the town on this offense. It's funny you said that because Marcus Spears yesterday in NFL Live thinks that the Eagles are going to be the best offense talent-wise Moore has ever coached. I think Kellen Moore will have his best offensive unit from talent with A.J. Brown and Devontae and Jalen Hurts. Here's the thing, situational football, and will he commit enough to the physicality and the run? That needs to still be the identity of the Philadelphia Eagles, and that's not something that Kellen Moore has really leaned into. He's not wrong about that. Like, you – like – the physicality and everything of the Eagles, you know, that they, they lost their way with that. They right. lost that this year. And I don't know how much of that was was Jalen. That's the unquantifiable right. part about the offense is that Jalen was so off from where he was um, last year in the run game. Right. Like, you know, how much of it, you know, the the whole – and, you know, you talk with Colin Thompson and other guys about this. I remember when you had – um, you know, you had Jason Avano on back at the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. And he brought up how, like, you know, in today's NFL, and Colin Thompson brought this up too, every play call typically has, like, two sides, like an A side and a B side, right? So, like, where there's a play call coming in that is a run play and Jalen's like, no, nope, I'm opting out to a pass play. How many of these are the coordinators saying, no, nope, we're going to go with more passing plays? And the players, as A.J. Brown says, they decide to do what they wanted to do in certain situations. We We will never know how much of that was going on last year. And you could only hope that with a new coordinator that the players and the coaches will be on the same page. Yeah, I, I think, too, um, yeah, that's an interesting point about, though, you mentioned that A.J. Brown and, and they kind of like, you know, the A-side, B-side, they kind of went off script a little bit. Kelsey talked about the accountability. Was there accountability for that stuff? Right, and what, how, how does the accountability work? Is it accountability like Sirianni comes in the meeting and says, guys, you left me out the dry here. Like, you, you went off script. You can't do that. Or is the accountability the players turning to the, the coaches saying, you guys gave us a dumb play. We had to make this change. I'm sure they go over the film and ask, hey, what was going in your mind here? Why did you make this change? What did you see? And, you know, that kind of stuff goes off in the film room, I'm imagining. I'm just wondering, like, is it a two-way accountability? Is it a one-way accountability? And, you know, we we don't know how much of maybe Brian Johnson had trouble with some of that. You know, Jason Kelsey didn't say that Brian Johnson was great at accountability. He said Nick Sirianni. Well, well a lot of reporting about the fact that Sirianni, Hurts, and Johnson all didn't see eye to eye. The question is... Were Hertz and Johnson on the same page? Were Sirianni and Hertz on the same page? Was it every man for himself? Like, how, what, what do you mean they weren't seeing eye to eye on the offense? I mean, Hertz obviously in the Monday morning quarterback, uh, Peter King today, he wrote in the, in the article, uh, I'll read the, the direct, um, thing that he mentioned in there, which was essentially like, you know, the last seven games of the season that, um, let's see, let me pull it up real fast. He says, um, about Jalen Hurts, he said that Hurts just didn't look like the same player in the one and six finish. On the bench, he looked like he wanted to be anywhere but where he was. So did he just hate the offense? Was he so frustrated with the offense? Because here's the thing, and we, I was on with, uh, the Birds 365 guys this morning, we were talking about this. Brian Johnson gets a raw deal, okay? 
I mean, in life, he gets a raw deal. Now, was the offense great? No. Top 10 offense. If I said I have a top 10 offense in the entire league, I got fired? It's not that, statistically speaking, it was wrong. It was bad. It was that you had inherited the same exact offense personnel-wise from the year before. Right. And it wasn't the same. So, should he have gotten another chance? Or did you see enough signs of issues to say, I don't know that he can get, like, hey, it was only his first chance calling plays. So, sure, he made mistakes. He wasn't great at it. But did you see enough growth? And evidently they said no. Or was there something else? Lack of accountability, uh, personalities clashing. I don't know. Uh, Sports Pass Live, 97.3 ESPN. Some text messages on the other side. Kia. It's the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. And I am the voice of the voiceless. On 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. All right, 609-403-0973, 609-403-0973. Mike, I feel like no one understands still what happened to the Eagles' season. My opinion is the defense became so pathetic that the offense became deflated and beaten mentally. Yeah, I don't have any problem with that description. I don't. I think you're right. It is one of the weird unknowns about what happened to this season. Nobody seems to have a great definitive... Well, you know, the quarterback got hurt or this guy they lost. They had so many injuries. It is a bizarre situation. It is a unprecedented situation in the NFL. And it's so unprecedented that an 11-win team had a clear house. Because I think the ownership group said, I don't know what happened here. Now, behind closed doors, they might have more. This could be one of those situations where something went on and it'll come out and slowly will like something will be like, ah, now I understand. You're not hearing that though. Jason Kelsey, Sirianni, great job, holds everybody accountable. Here's AJ Brown and Devonta Smith this offseason. They're sitting down in a very informal conversation with Kay Adams. They could say, yeah, you know what? You know, we had some moments this year, but we'll be better. No, nothing that they could quantify in the entire season. So, um, I, I, that message there doesn't sound off base. Well, listen, Chris Long had this theory on his podcast. Take a listen, and you tell me how you interpret this. I think they nailed this hire. He's a shadow. Because he's got a, a, an elder statesman in the building who can actually, it's like having a second head coach in the building. That have helps. Have an Obi-Wan. That helps, dude. I can remember, you know, certain coaches having former head coaches come back in the building. If it's the wrong head coach, former head coach, you can f*** the whole thing up. I've said this before. I, I think they looked at what the blueprint was to get to the Super Bowl, strong coordinators. Let's get back to that and let Nick do what he does best. Did some of those guys in the building last year, did they mess it up as Chris Long? Well, I think one of the reports was that Desai was a smart guy, just was very unsure of himself. That's not good. That means you're now Nick Sirianni. You might have to do more over, you know, I... Babysitting. Yeah, Sean's a little unsure of himself. Not going to go down there and talk to those guys a little bit more. Not anymore. I got a guy who was a head coach to handle my defense. All right, when we come back, what does Jason Kelsey think about K. 
Kellen Moore and Vic Fangio. That's coming up. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live from the Matt Blatt Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Uh, what does Jason Kelsey think about the hire of Kellen Moore? He talked about it today on the New Heights podcast. I'm Mike Gill. This is the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. Now, was it Jason Kelsey or Travis Kelsey? It just says Kelsey on the uh, button over there. Oh, so way uh, there's two I've, Kelseys, you know. Yeah, well, the way I do it is if I'm if it's not Jason, I'll type Travis's name. All right, so Jason. <laughs> so the, give me the um, like. How did this conversation go? Like, is, is Travis, like, grilling him? Is he yes. interviewing him? Oh, yeah. So the way that – so for those who never listen to the podcast – Because I've never it, heard the podcast. So the way it works is any time they're talking about the other guy's team, the one brother interviews the other. Okay. So, for example, when they were talking about the Chiefs winner of the Ravens on Sunday, Jason is interviewing Travis. So then when they talk about – Like, I got about, to ask all the questions here. Pretty much. Okay. And then, like, Travis might interject, like, an extra note or a point. But, like, the you know, Jason will drive that conversation. And then when it was about an hour into the podcast, they finally get to Jason and the Eagles. And Travis is like, well, you know, now it's my turn to talk to you because you got some things to talk about, man. You got some coaching changes. Tell me what's going on over there. And so it was interesting before we get to the audio how it's like, you know, Travis was saying – Hey man, we, you need to answer some questions. You know, kind of was the attitude uh, of the conversation. Just to let you know, Mike. All right. Well, I'm intrigued to, to hear because I have not heard any of this audio. I don't listen to the New Heights podcast. I listen every week. I just don't have time. I mean, your drive's a lot longer than mine. It we, is. We've established that. And I don't listen to a lot of sports podcasts. I mean, I talk four hours every day about sports. I'm sported out sometimes. So I, I have a different uh, style of podcast that I generally listen to. I mean, um, I do listen to things that are not sports related to. They're usually books. You know, my, my audible ooh, look books. Look at this guy. Tape. Books. Yeah, books. Yeah. So I'm, 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 like I'm, I'm not looking down upon people because they listen to New Heights. It's just, you know, I, I, I try to separate. And I know he doesn't. they don't talk all sports. They're a little yeah. bit more pop culture-y and, and stuff around. So maybe I should give it a shot. Yeah. But Well, like when they do this segment, No Dumb Questions, and like people will ask them, be like, you know, what are your favorite cereals? Stuff like that. And then, of course, they'll get into arguments about like, you know, Fruit Loops versus Cheerios and stuff like that. Like, those, those are some pretty funny conversations. Like, some of the best conversations is when those two brothers are arguing about, like, what's the best chocolate bar? And, like, the one brother is being like, you know, oh, man, come on. Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. And the other one's like, nah, man, Milky Way. And like, you eat Milky Way and stuff like that. Like, it, it's funny. So... So I'll give it a shot. Maybe, maybe we'll see. I, I I would recommend maybe do a podcast like in the off season, like the deepest depth of the off season when there's like not actually football going on, and they're definitely going to talk a lot of non football stuff. Like it gets off the rails. You yeah. know what I mean? All right. Well, I'm very interested to see. Uh, now I can't. Like I will say this. I'm very interested. I can't imagine that Kelsey's going to slam the hire. It would be my. Uh, my initial thought. No, no, he doesn't slam the hire, but what he does do is kind of explain why, the why behind he likes some of these moves. And 
part of the conversation was he thinks the Eagles are are automatically going to get better just because of hiring Kellen Moore and Vic Fangio. I know we have a great coach in Nick Sirianni. We just got a great defensive coordinator, defensive mind in Vic Fangio, and we got a great offensive mind in Kellen Moore that just got hired. So in my opinion, we're adding more talented individuals to continue to be a part of the staff. So whoever is calling plays, I know that we get better having Kellen Moore in the building because I think he's a great uh, mind and has proven that over the last five years. All right. Well, he um, he didn't throw the other guys under the bus, but he essentially said, I think we upgraded. <laughs> I right. mean, right? It's interesting. He, he, I will say this. He didn't say Brian did a great job. We're going to miss Brian. Right. But we're excited. Like, that's your classic, you know, um, I don't want to say anything that's going to ruffle any feathers. He essentially sounded to me that he felt they got an upgrade. Yeah. And I think he points to part of the reason why he thinks it's upgrade with Kellen Moore. And it's one of those things where you can tell Kelsey when he gets into the Kellen Moore part. He, as you said, he's not trying to throw anybody under the bus. But his brother kind of prods him into maybe admitting something that maybe Jason doesn't want to admit. He's done a little bit of everything. You know, obviously he comes from Boise and it's, uh, it was some, wacky back then, man. It was, it was hard sure to want to say wacky. It was a different offense though. And they were they not. They did a lot of stuff. I mean, it was creative. That's what it, it comes is. down to. There and I is. think, um, there was a lot of people, even looking back ourselves that realized that we could have potentially been a little bit more creative, I guess, offensively. And I think Kellen will bring a lot of that. All right. Well, and that's something. Yeah. We could have been more creative. Um, there's no question that that's a definitive statement by him right there. The acknowledgement of we could have been more creative. What we were doing was maybe a little vanilla. Um, I think that's a clear opinion from Jason Kelsey that this hire does this for us. We will be a more creative offense. So if there's anything that you've heard today, and you're like, well, you know, I don't know what to make of that. But that's one there that you can say, okay, that one stands out as they think they're going to be more creative because of this hire. And you hear the part where Travis says, there it is. Like, now now I'm getting the answer out of you about the creativity part. Because it's, it's one of those things where it's like these guys, are they try so hard not to, you know, take these platforms and, like, shred their their buddies or their friends or their coaches. But like even Travis is like, there it is. Yeah, man. Yep, the creativity. That's the problem. Well, it's almost like Travis is like, come on, guys, you guys are running the high school offense. You're telling me that you don't <laughs> think there's going to be changes here? And, you know, listen, the Eagles, I, I'd have to look this up. In 2022, where they were in motion. They didn't have a lot of motion the year they went to the Super Bowl. No, they've never really been a motion under offense under Sirianni. No, so it's like I always find the guy who talks about they don't have motion and and tries to act like I know a lot about football. I get what motion does for an offense. We understand that you try to find out whether or not the team's playing man or zone. They didn't run a lot of motion the year before, and – they went to the Super Bowl and were basically like, if Jalen Hurts doesn't fumble, they probably win the Super Bowl 
with this offense. Not a lot of motion, just execution, get it done, and they execute it and got it done. Like, I feel like the whole, well, not a lot of motion is a way for a fan guy to say, I know football, and motion has to be done because they're not doing it. If the Eagles are not doing it and they're successful, then how necessary is the motion? Yeah, I don't think motion is that important. To me, it's the creativity part they were pointing to because they mentioned how, hey, when Kellen Moore was up, boy, you say, they did some wacky stuff over there. Yeah, man, you know. And I think that it's the idea that look at Kellen Moore's history, Mike. He went from Chris Peterson, who ran a version of the Air Coriel offense at Boise State. Then he was under Scott Linehan with the Lions and the Cowboys. Well, what was Scott Linehan's lineage? Mike Martz's offense, the greatest show on turf. Then he gets a part of Jason Garrett, the idea of we're going to go vertical in order to open up things underneath for the short passing game and the running game. Then he gets the Mike McCarthy West Coast offense for a couple years and that style. So Kellen Moore now has this vast portfolio of offense to bring in to the Eagles. And he really is the embodiment of when Nick Sirianni said multiple times, I'm looking for fresh ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like and I'm looking at um, 2022, the teams that ran the most motion um you had let's see i mean here. the 49ers the dolphins got to be high on that list i mean they run a ton of movement pre-snap um this was you said 2022 right that's what you're looking at yes this was last year's motion oh you mean 2023 last year no the year before oh 2022 okay okay yeah, yeah. my bad uh miami ran the most Baltimore, the Rams, Washington. I mean, do you want Washington's offense? <laughs> no. Atlanta. Don't want that. Uh, San Francisco. There it is. The Jets. Oof. Uh, Green Bay. Detroit. Pittsburgh. So there's nothing to take from that like there's nothing that says running motion makes you a good offense uh, Philadelphia was 27th in the league in in um snap motion percentage they ran it 10.6% of the time um below them was Tennessee Cincinnati who by the way was a, they're pretty good a game away from the Super Bowl so Philadelphia is in the Super Bowl. Cincinnati was in the AFC Championship game. Uh, by the way, thirty-one was Tampa Bay. That was you know Brady's offense. So not a lot of motion in Brady's offense either. So yeah, motion is more of because you look at the teams you named: the Dolphins, the Forty ers the Packers, the Rams. They all come from that Mike Shanahan system. So they all are variations of the same offense. That's why they all run it. Running motion, though, is not a prerequisite for being a good offense. No. I mean, I think it is, you know, it's like the world we live in today. It's like an ADD society. You can't look at something for 10 seconds and, you know, like a commercial comes on. That's why they're like 15 seconds. You know, we're watching Suits. We finished Suits last night, by the way. You finally finished. Nice. On Netflix, Suits 
has no commercials, and then it goes right to the next one. On Amazon Prime, you get the commercial at the beginning. Every now and then they pop a commercial in. You're like, what the heck? You know, It ruins your rhythm. Right. So it's like when you're watching the game and someone's moving. It's like everyone's ADD. Oh, there's somebody moving. Thank God. Because if you're not moving, it's like, snap it. Come on. What are you doing? You know, <laughs> it's like, well, it doesn't mean that you're accomplishing anything more because the guy went from the right side of the field to the left side of the field. Well, you're getting to see what the defense is doing. Okay, like, I mean, do we think these guys are that much of a, a, a idiots? Yeah, and that's why I'm saying, like, for, for the Kelseys, they're saying we need creativity in this offense. You never heard them say we need motion. Right. The article, by the way, says, yes, it's great to have a lot of pre-snap motion in your offense, but it's not mandatory for success, as demonstrated by Philadelphia and Cincinnati, who were at the bottom by the chart. Yeah. Wait, where's the Cowboys on that list? Middle of the pack. Middle of the pack? Uh, Dallas... Last year, this was not the season that just finished. This was 2022. 2022. That's when Kellen Moore's last year in Dallas was, 2022. So Dallas finished in motion. Like 15, 16? Uh, lower than that. Uh, 17th, middle of the pack. Right, so, so even, even Kellen Moore is not going to be bringing in some high motion offense here. Uh, nope, not not particularly a lot of pre-snap motion stuff. Uh, like I said, Miami was number one last year. Did they make the playoffs last year? I mean, I know they had the injury to Tua. Uh, let me double check. I couldn't remember if they they might they have missed made it like, the last day of the year or something. Baltimore, I don't think. Uh, well, well, Lamar got hurt. Did they make the playoffs? The they made the playoffs, and that was the game that Tyler Huntley played. That's right. Like I said, Rams did not make the playoffs. They were one of the worst teams in the league last year. But they had all the injuries. Washington. So Dolphins made the playoffs. That's a game they lost to the Bills with Skylar Thompson at quarterback. Yeah, so those are, are, are tough because they did make the playoffs, but they had backup quarterback. But Miami, Baltimore, the Rams, the Commanders, the Falcons. Ravens fired their head uh, office coordinator after last year, remember? That's right, Greg Roman. Well, they didn't fire him. He kind of parted ways. They pushed him out the door. Yeah. So the top five teams in motion last year, I don't know that anybody was like, wow, let's do what they're doing. San Francisco was number six. Then the Jets, Green Bay, Detroit. So one team from five to ten made the playoffs. Um, Pittsburgh, I don't remember if they made the playoffs last year. I they they made it in 2022 because um, I thought they did at least. I know they made it this year. Well, so. I know last year they they got a winning record, but I don't think they ended up making the playoffs. I don't I, I'm put it this it way. Their offense wasn't great, Pittsburgh's. It doesn't seem there's a lot of offenses here that are in the top 15. They didn't make the playoffs in 2022. Right, the but they Chargers, finished 9 and 8. Denver. Chargers lost to the Jags in the postseason. Denver, Kansas City. So the Kansas City's 13 on the list. Of motion. So to go to the Kelsey bite, there'd be more creative. Doesn't necessarily mean more motion. Correct. And maybe you just need more creativity. You know, listen, when, when Nick Sirianni was asked about why they got rid of Brian Johnson, he never talked about motion. He talked about fresh ideas. It wasn't like he was sitting there saying, you know what, Mike, the problem is we need more motion. No, this is what Sirianni said about why they moved on from Brian Johnson with the offense. So it's about coming up with fresh ideas and doing some things different. 
And, and that's exactly where we are right, right now. And Brian being, you know, at that position, unfortunately, he's, he's the one that is leaving at this particular time. Uh, but I can't say, can't tell you how much uh, I appreciate him as a coach. We've had a lot of success here in the past three years and, and Brian's contributed a lot to that. But like I said, we're, it's, it's now about bringing in fresh ideas. And I don't put it this way. Um, and, and like, the fresh ideas is the funny, you know, comment. I guess uh, of, you know you were talking about yesterday. Like she got the T-shirt with the fresh ideas. Good for Sirianni. It's like going back to the first year. I turned the play calling over to Shane Sykin because I wasn't good enough at it. My offense. Now people might say that's not why, but do we think Sirianni's not going to be open to the fresh ideas? I think he will be. Is he just is he just uh, shoveling? poo in your in your face there by saying yeah we're open to it but we're not doing it i don't think you hire a guy like kellen moore if you're not going to be open to it you know what i mean like i think if i think if they i think the person you hire in that circumstance like jim bob cooter a guy who already has worked with sirianni in the past someone who's familiar with the offense no they went they went outside of the family, you know, they use the, you know, the, the, you know, the, the mob mafia term, you know, they, they, they brought in an outsider. They brought in a freelancer or as was it, I believe it was Mosher who mentioned, you know, they, uh, they, they brought in mercenaries, <laughs> you know, they, they, they didn't bring in people who were a part of, you know, the family unit. No, they brought in an outsider and like, we need you. We're hiring you. To get this done. Yeah. Now this year, by the way, I think the Eagles were last in the league. So maybe there's been some more evolution. Maybe you know. Maybe there is something also to the fact that you know it, it's the. It's also did other teams look at the Eagles and say we know what you're running, and the Eagles said we got to run something different mm-hmm. because teams have figured us out. Um. Yeah. Because this year. Let's take a look. Uh, this is, is this 20, well, last year, yeah, this should be this year's. So Miami was one this year. Cleveland was two. San Francisco, three. Those three teams all made the playoffs. By the way, Cleveland fired their offensive coordinator. They got a new one for next year. That's true. Jacksonville did not make the playoffs. They were four. Kansas City, they're five. Baltimore, six. Did not go well for them in the playoffs. Uh, Atlanta, seven. Not a great offensive team. The Jets, one of the worst offensive teams we've ever seen. <laughs> they were eight. They were they were horrible. I mean, the quarterback was one of the reasons. They're great why. at running around, you're saying, before the snap, but not after the snap. <laughs> the Bears were nine. <laughs> Dallas was ten this year. So Dallas, tenth last year with... Uh, Bears also fired their offensive coordinator. Uh, Vegas, 11. So, yeah, it's a mixed bag again. I mean, it's... Motion like, does not equal success. No, and if you look at the teams at the bottom of the list, Philadelphia is the worst. Um, 11 wins. You had Houston, who was a playoff team with a quarterback that we all like a lot, Yep, C.J. Shroud, and they were 28th in the league uh, down towards the bottom of the list. Now, so, I mean, we'll see. Uh, again, I think what his comment was, though, is creativity. So... If the offense has more creativity in it, I think that's going to be a big plus. And one more point on Moore. I think that Moore, because of his background, he's going to be able to say, look, man, I I played with Matthew Stafford. I played with Tony Romo. I coached Dak Prescott and Justin Herbert. I can take all of these experiences and bring them into this room to Jalen Hurts. 
Whereas I don't, you know, Brian Johnson, you know, what was his resume he was bringing in? No offense to Brian Johnson. Yeah, I, I, and I think the whole Brian Johnson and Jalen Hurts thing might have been a little overblown. Like they were, yeah, he knew when he was four years old. But. All right, uh, we got more to go, including. All right, so we're gonna put this list together for you guys. The twelve teams that did not make the Super Bowl that made the playoffs. What are the chances of them making it to the playoffs, uh, Super Bowl next year? San Francisco, they were one of the 12 last year. Now they're in the Super Bowl. Kansas City won the Super Bowl last year and they're back. So, uh, CBS Sports ranked them. We'll rank them as well and then compare our list to the CBS Sports list and find out where the Eagles were on that list. More sports bass. Coming up, 97.3 ESPN, the free mobile app. We have the traffic. You come with me. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. 528 Sports Bash, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Download the app, Apple Store, Google Play. We've got uh, a busy couple days coming up. Radio Row next week. At this time next week, we will be in Vegas. And we will be talking to a plethora of interesting names. I always get a chance to, like, catch it up with, you know, get a chance to talk to some current players, some recently retired players. They get their thoughts on, you know, how the game is evolving, changing. What are you seeing from teams? Get some players' perspective on what happened with this Eagles team. So we'll talk to some former players, some current players some I like you know like for instance you're a player like Mark Ingram we're going to talk to former Saints running back Mark Ingram who does a lot of uh, he's on the uh Fox uh football show right college football uh thing with Fox what's that what's the name a oh, big noon right big noon but he played running back in the NFL and, and interested to see like how the Eagles use their running backs would he like to see them you know like how they use DeAndre Swift this year would he like to could they have gotten more there, you know? Uh, yeah, and by the way, Ingram is a guy who played in different offenses, too. So it's always going to be interesting to hear maybe from a guy like him how he feels about a team making a coaching change. Yeah, he played for the Saints, played for the Ravens. He's played in different places. Yeah. Um, all right. So the 12 teams that did not make the Super Bowl but made the playoffs, right. CBS Sports ranked their chances of reaching the Super Bowl Next year. Right, their chances. Yep. So, how would you rank them? Let's see if yours matched up with CBS Sports' Cody Benjamin ranked them. All right. So, my number one is the Lions. You're going to go one first. All right. You got Lions. I got Lions. All right. Uh, They have the Lions at number four. Interesting. Okay. So they say the Lions have, of all the playoff teams that did not make the Super Bowl, that the Lions have the fourth best shot to get back. That's a, that's interesting because they're getting their play caller back. That's why I went with number one. Okay. To me, Johnson coming back is massive for them. Yeah, I think that's a big coup to say, look, let's keep the band together and take another shot at this. Not that that's why. You know, I don't know if Dan Campbell said, come on, man, let's just do it one more. They'll be, they'll, you'll get a job next year. Well, you know, do you really want to go to these places? I don't know if you saw some of the reports, but apparently Ben Johnson was asking for a ton of money. He, and well, he seems- could, maybe he said, I'll just 
price myself out. Price myself out. <laughs> and then go after it again next year. Who knows? Nice. So they have the Lions at number four. All right. My number two. That means there's three teams they think have a better shot at getting to the Super Bowl next year than Detroit. All right. How about the Ravens? I have them at number two. Ravens are number one okay, on the list. So they think this loss they can bounce back from. They call it an aberration. And get there. I don't know if, they, if uh, aberration's the thing. I just think um, they're saying that you get Munkin in the second year. Maybe their offense is a little bit more fine-tuned. Who knows? But, uh, you know, they had Kyle Hamilton. They like Zay Flowers, who had a terrible game. He didn't have a terrible game. He had a terrible, like, stra- like 10 minutes. Yeah, my problem with the Ravens, I'm going to put them behind the lines, is because I don't know if the Ravens team next year will be as good as this year's team because they're going to – I don't know how their salary cap they're going to make work with Lamar's money. You know what I mean? Start to get into that problem with the money. Right. Right. My number three, maybe they're ahead of the Lions as well, the Rams. Rams. They are number nine on the list. Wow. Number nine. So what – do they have like a little caption next yeah, to the Yeah, they Rams? do. Uh, quarterback's going to be 36 years old. Um, the defense in transition, they lost Raheem Morris. So this organization has gone through multiple defensive coordinators. Mm-hmm. They had Wade Phillips, went to Super Bowl, lost him. Raheem Morris, went to Super Bowl a couple years ago, now they've lost him. I feel like you can replace that guy because Sean McVay has shown you he can replace that guy. And I like the fact they're going to have some salary cap this offseason. I think they're going to retool that team. Okay. Well, number nine on the CBS Sports Lift, number three on yours. Yeah, me and Cody do not agree on that at all. Nope. My number four team, Mike, is the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo's number two on their list. Um, you know, Josh Allen basically is their answer there. Um, my thing is the reason why I have Buffalo and the Lions, uh, Ravens lower is because they're also in the AFC. They play in the same conference as Pat Mahomes. And that guy is like Superman. We haven't found his kryptonite very often. So to me, Buffalo still has this obstacle. But I do think that they will address some of their issues this offseason because they did fire the offense coordinator in season. So now they're probably going to retool the roster in the offseason. All right. So uh, they have Ravens one, Bills two. You did not get the three. You got Lions four, and you had the Rams. My number five are the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, they have the Eagles at number three. Okay. So that's an interesting one. They think the Eagles, of all the teams that didn't make the playoffs next year, last, this, or didn't make the Super Bowl, have the third best shot of going back. I mean, they still have a lot of talent on offense. The, and we are all assuming that Howie Roseman is going to go into full Howie mode. Well, and, and he said their talent will only equate to another Super Bowl appearance if the cracks beneath the surface and along the staff can be repaired. Well, they've already been making repairs. So, you know, I'm wondering, like, this is the thing for me. Like, do people look at this team as a total rebuild or that they're right there, they just needed to tighten the screws a little bit, and they did that with – now, I do think they need help on defense. I don't think anybody's denying that. Yeah. But is it a combination of, look, this offense with Kellen Moore is going to be humming. I, I don't – I think the offense is going to be fine. Like, I don't – I think the offense, you're going to be scoring 26 26- – 
points a game again. I, I think this offense could be very difficult to stop. Um, does their defense have to be great? No. Just got to be better than it was at the end of last year. I look at the Eagles as a sports car that all it does, it, it needs new brakes, that you need to put new upholstery inside the car. You got to put in some new spark plugs. There, there are tangible fixes for this car to make it be top tier again. So they're not like it's far gone. They're number three on the list. Right. The number five on mine. My number six is the Green Bay Packers. Wow. So Green Bay on their list is number seven, which I was a little surprised by that, you know, they were the hot fun team down the stretch, yet they have the breaks a little bit. Um, their defense, they're saying has a lot of turnover. They lost their coordinator. They let the coordinator go, but right. they have more turnover personnel wise on defense. I love the fact that they went blow for blow with the 49ers. I thought that was a huge deal that they went to Green Bay in a game, but they were huge underdogs. And they went blow for blow for them after the week. They could have had a letdown the week before, Mike. They could have said, hey, we got our big win. We went to Dallas. We beat the Cowboys. We already made it. No, they went to San Fran and said, we're going to give you a game. I like that mentality. I like what LaFleur is doing with that team. Well, um, I was surprised they were where they were on the list, number seven. I thought that they would possibly – I don't know. Well, I mean – I have them six, so okay. maybe I'm the crazy one. But uh, my number seven on these rankings, I'm going to go – this one was tough for me. I was kind of vacillating between the two AFC North teams. But I am going to go with the Steelers. I really like the hiring of Arthur Smith. They're 11 on the list, um, and he basically – uh, talk, takes a look at the, um, quarterback situation. You know, they don't really have that top quarterback there. No, they don't, but I think they could address it. And I think that when Arthur Ar- Smith just had a good offense of weapons in Atlanta and didn't have a great quarterback and their offense was kind of, but he had Brian Tannehill in Tennessee and they had success. So to me, if you get, if you get a Ryan Tannehill esque, I don't need you to be Tom Brady, but if you get me a Ryan Tannehill guy, I think they have some really good receivers down there, so I think they could be something. All right, we'll see. Uh, I'm interested to see. Um, are they going to stick with uh, Pickett? Pickett, maybe, maybe not. My number eighteen. I mentioned the AFC North teams. It's the Cleveland Browns. So you like Cleveland? They've got them at number ten. I got them at eight. So that's too that far, not too far off. You've got uh, the question at quarterback. What are they going to do? Deshaun Watson is there. They handed it back over to him, and he's been average since he's been back. The other question is: You have a new offensive coordinator. They brought in Ken Dorsey. Now he got fired in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. So I mean, what, what is how's that going to work? You know, I don't know how that's going to impact the offense. And are you going to tell me that that defense is going to play at that level again, or are they going to be better? Like I just. I have a lot of questions. Yeah, that's a team that's hard because they had so many injuries last year as well. So you got to factor those guys all coming back. Um, and I don't know what Deshaun Watson you're ever going to get again. I mean, this thing seems to be blowing up in their face. My number nine is the Houston Texans. Texans, interestingly enough, on this list, I thought was the one team. They were number six. Uh, he says C.J. Stroud. That's it. And uh, the fact that uh, the AFC South is kind of weaker, so they might be able to get a good seeding. Um, so there you go. And they have a lot of cap space. Texans can go out and add to a team that made the playoffs last year. This is where my heart conflicts with my head. Because for me, Mike, I asked the question, 
I love C.J. Stroud. But what about that second-year wall? Does he get a sophomore slump next year? Does this coaching staff get kind of figured out a little bit? People now got a full year of tape on you. Well, I'll tell you what. I think he's going to get better weapons. Um, you know, he had Tank Dell and uh, who was the other guy? Nico Collins. Nico Collins. I think they're going to probably get him somebody to, to you know, to be his main guy. And, you know, like I said, they have a ton of cap space. So they have the Texans at number six. Number 10, I have the Dallas Cowboys. They've got Dallas at number five. Uh, we had the Jerry Jones today. They're going to go all in. They're doing everything. But, you know, there's just so much that surrounds this team. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Prescott. Obviously, are they going to move forward there? They've got questions that need to be answered. No question about it. Uh, but six for Dallas. And, you know, I, I think we all realize Dallas is, is the team that, yeah, they can win 12, 13, 14, 15 games, but when are they going to, you know, they're, they're become like the Sixers? When are you going to be able to show us that you can get to that NFC? They haven't even got to an NFC championship game. Correct. They, gotta, they at least gotta get to the door first before we can hope they can get in the house. My number 11 are the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins on this list are number eight. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, with Tua moving forward there, that whole situation. Uh, but the defense, they need a new coordinator, um, and they had a lot of injuries on that side of the ball this past year. Yeah, who's going to be the defensive coordinator? How do they keep this team together? You know, are do we have questions about their roster building moving forward? So you haven't had any in the same spot? None. None. Except for one. This except one. This one. Yeah, we all agree on Tampa. So nobody thinks Tampa then is getting to the Super Bowl next year. Probably they got to figure out what to do with Baker and Mike Evans. Well, don't forget. And Dave Canales. No Dave Canales. So now you lost your star offensive coordinator. Was he really a star, though? Like, what did Tampa's offense do during the season that made everybody say, this is the guy? Well, Mike Evans had an amazing season. And I think that, but, but, but Mike so Evans had a lot Brown. of good seasons. AJ <laughs> Brown had 1,400 yards this year. Well, maybe they should hire Brian Johnson. <laughs> well, he got a lot of interviews, including Tampa. Tampa, right. <laughs> um, I, I just, I think losing Canales, the uncertainty about Baker and Mike Evans' future, the uncertainty about the defense and how they're putting that together, who they're going to pay, who they're not going to pay. And also, you know, you know, I talk to Rob Motti every week on game night, and Rob always says, you know, there's a lot of questions about Todd Bowles as that team's head coach. And that, you know, Todd Bowles is one of those guys, he, he's a great head coach when the team is winning, but when they're not winning, it, it can be a problem. Yeah, I, I think not, Todd Bowles is kind of a nondescript head coach. Todd Bowles is, you know, always you always tell the story about Mo Cheeks. Yep. Mo Cheeks, what is he? If you have a if you have a, a forty two and forty team, Mo Cheeks gets you forty two wins and forty losses. I kind of feel like Todd Bowles is the same. Yeah, he just kind of. I mean, I don't know. I, yeah, he, he's to me, he's a defensive coordinator. He's not the head coach. Um, so here's the list from Cody. His is number twelve, Tampa Bay. Number eleven, Pittsburgh. Number ten. Cleveland. Number nine, the Rams. Number eight, the Dolphins. Number seven, the Packers. Number six, the Texans. 
Number five, the Cowboys. Number four, the Lions. Number three, the Eagles. Number two, Buffalo. And number one, the Ravens. So if you're just tuning in, what's this list? These are the 12 teams that made the playoffs but did not advance to the Super Bowl's chances of getting to the Super Bowl next year. I'm just pretty surprised that someone out there is looking at the Eagles and thinking, I still think they have a – I mean, in the NSC, they were the highest one. I think there's a lot of chalk going on with that list. There's not a lot of projecting. I think that Cody did not do enough analyzing who these teams are organizationally and how they can evolve and change. Well, if you want to say chalk, he had the Eagles over the Lions. That didn't ch- that. That's not chalk. He had no, but I mean having the AFC teams as high as he did. Okay, well, you only had the two AFC teams, um, the Ravens and the Bills, and then the Eagles and Lions were three and four. And five were the NFC side of things. And then he had the Texans over all the rest of the AFC teams. He also had Dallas ahead of the Packers, even though the Packers beat Dallas. Yeah, I don't understand that. I mean, yeah, look, the the Eagles thing is interesting because, like, I think his point is this was such an anomaly that I can't even really describe it, but that the Eagles have enough street cred – to make me feel right, they'll figure it out and get this this thing. Right, the Eagles have shown me enough in the past that I can believe in them in the future. <laughs> uh, can you please touch on the Pro Bowl? A lot of us need to know. That's your boy Diamondback Derek. What do you want to know about the Pro Bowl? Uh, Pro Bowl is not a game; it's a flag football game, and there you can, you can I, bet on the skills competition. I couldn't tell you one thing about the Pro Bowl. I haven't watched the Pro Bowl. In probably twenty years, and now that it's a flag football game, do they do they have like a spread on the game? Yeah, there is a spread on the flag football game. Yeah, I, I saw it the other day. I don't really care. It's it's so the coaching is Eli Manning versus. Peyton I know Manning. that. I do know. I saw Gardner Minshew just got at Jalen Hurts got at it. Yeah, Minshew got at it. AJ Brown took his name out, and Amon Amon Ross St. Brown got added. AJ Brown, if you got did, named to the Pro. Like, what do the linemen do? You're an offensive lineman. You get named to the Pro Bowl. You hang out. I mean, do they play in the in the um? Flag football game? Kind of. <laughs> I mean, like I say, do they block? Like, are they on the line? Like, Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, there is, like, a blitz that you have to, you know, deal with. But you can't tackle anybody. The minute someone gets hurt playing an F-flag football game. My God. Well, like, last year, the big deal, people made a big deal, is, you know, Derek Carr went out there and had a big Pro Bowl. And he was proving to the world that he can still play. And it was like, I'm, I'm saying this thinking, but it's flag football. I have zero desire to watch that game, pay attention to it. Who's the starting quarterback, you know? No. Who got named the starter? I don't know. I have to look that up. Holmes, he's not playing. It's not Mahomes. Josh Allen? Is it? I mean, I'm I'm guessing it's Jared Goff and Josh Allen. I'm like, yes. Or is it Lamar? Is Lamar going to be there? Or is he going to sit? No clue. I did not pay attention to, like, the Pro Bowl stuff, but uh, sorry, Derek, I wasn't more of a help for you on that. I, am I more just saw like, Minshew got named. I am more likely to watch the NHL All-Star Game than the Pro Bowl. The NHL All-Star Game is going back to a, a draft, I hear. 
Is it? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. They're going I back like to the draft. The draft. I'm not no, the NBA the got rid of the draft. Yeah, the NBA got rid of the draft. They're going to East and West Conference again. I like the the, the East and West better. I love the draft. I love all the personal social dynamics. I wonder if they decided after last year with the whole um, James Harden and that thing that they're like, <laughs> you know what? Maybe we should get away from that. That's probably what killed it. By the way, <laughs> Ben Simmons out tonight. So here's a question. The Nets play in Philly on Saturday. Ben Simmons was back the other night. He had an almost a triple double. Yeah. People are talking about how you know fluid he looked, Bessie's looked, and now he's out tonight. Any update on Embiid? I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen anything either. Uh, we'll try to look for that and more. Uh, nothing tonight, right? No Sixers. No, sixers. no the Flyers. Flyers still on that break. What are you going to – how about coming up next, Mike Gill will tell us what he's going to watch since he's done with suits. I do have a show that I'm going to start Ooh. watching. Yep. I'll tell you what it is. Stick around. More Sports Bash on the way. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. All right, get ready to get out of here on this uh, Wednesday night. So I finished Suits last night. Apparently they're, like, working on a spinoff. Like, they're going to be, like, uh, I don't know. They haven't announced it all yet, but... Apparently they're coming up with a spinoff of suit. What's it? Have you quit? Oh no, I'm just behind. Like I'm just. Well, I know you're behind me. I'm done. Yeah, I'm. Just, I'm. Just, I haven't quit. No, I finished. So the first eight seasons were on Netflix. The ninth season was on Prime. Oh, that's confusing. It's a pain in the ass. Yeah, I'm not a pain in the ass, but like you know. Um, yeah, switch over to Amazon Prime for the ninth season. I might have to stop at eight things. I don't have Prime. Oh. And the ninth season was okay. Sorry. I mean, I like the show. I like the characters. But, you know, you go nine seasons with a, with a show, that's pretty long. It's pretty, uh, pretty intensive endurance going on there. Yeah. Really. So my next show. Yeah. So what, what does Mike Gale have lined up next in the queue? Let me get it. Uh, somebody texted me. Uh, there Somebody it is. texted you. The new this. Harlan Coben. Fool me once. I like the Harlan Coben um, series. Okay. He has like a whole, he's a writer. He has like all these like suspense. I saw that the final season of Curb is coming. That's up your alley. Yeah, that's uh starts. I don't have Max. Mm. So I never saw the last season of Curb either. Oh, because on Max? Yep. I need to get the Max for that. See, I got Max and you got Prime. Look I'll, at us. I'll trade you. <laughs> I'll trade you. <laughs> do, I get a, do I get a conditional draft pick out of that? Yep. Player to be named later as well. All right, that's it for me. Uh, no Sixers, no Flyers tonight. So kind of a uh, lackluster sports evening in the Philly market. But uh, we'll have plenty more tomorrow. McMullen, football at four. Holy moly, Sixers play tomorrow against the Jazz. We should have an update on the MRI on Joel Embiid as well. Probably might get an update uh, tonight during game night. We'll see. So keep it locked for that. You got uh, got anything big happening tonight? Weinberg Wednesday. Oh, it's just a Wednesday. I didn't realize. I'm forgetting. My days are all messed. All right. I'm out of here. That's it for me. Hopefully everybody has a great night. I'll talk to you tomorrow.